Welcome back you to rang. the Boneyard Podcast. You rang. Episode 28, y'all. Episode 28. Let me tell you something. Holy, you know what. <laughs> Episode 28 is about to be the biggest damn podcast you've ever heard from us up until now. Okay? Up until now, because guess what? We're still growing. We're going to build this thing to be the biggest thing at ECU. There are no more discrepancies, Jared. We are the premier podcast of East Carolina University. There is no more discrepancies. You can at me. You can DM me. I do not care who you are. After today's episode, it is official. We have arrived. Do not come into my DMs trying to talk that <laughs> shit because I'm going to put you right in your place. I want all the smoke this week. I'm going to put you right in your place. Anybody that comes in, and nobody has. We, I mean, we've got a five-star rating out of 25 reviews on, on Apple. Nobody, Which, thank y'all. Thank yeah, you. Thank th- you. Thank, thank you. you. Shout out to all of you. Absolutely, we love you all. We we know what we're doing and we, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. I know there's been some uh, talking a little bit about like somebody said something about us talking about fantasy last week, but we didn't have much else to talk about. Which we did go a little long on fantasy we last week, but but I lashed y'all's ass. <laughs> Shut up, Jared. <laughs> you should have vetoed that trade, um, guys. Guys. <laughs> Let me just tell you how excited we are for ECU football. We are so excited to finally have something to talk about and finally have something to enjoy with each other and with you all because we all are we all we're all pirates. It felt like we weren't going to get to this day, right? I mean, it just it felt like we were never going to get here and then delay after delay and now <laughs> <laughs> Let's fucking go. See, I, I, I set it up nicely for you. you almost fumbled on the play, man. You did. You did. <laughs> Guys, we are popping champagne. It's not. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. We just interviewed our one of our guests for this podcast. The biggest guest we've had on the podcast. Yeah. Which we've is, had big guests. And we've got another one to interview after this. I mean, we've had really big guests, and this was the biggest one we've had. So... Let, let, let's go ahead and tell the people who we got. We, we already announced it on Twitter. We, yeah, we already announced we already, it. So you, everybody knows. You already know. We've got you Mike already, Golick on the show today who will be calling ECU versus UCF on ABC at noon this Saturday, which is tomorrow. We've also got Jeff Charles, voice of the Pirate Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that brings you – you can paint this one purple. So after every ECU victory, when you hear that, that is him. And – we have old captain, my captain, the captain, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Shane Carden. Not Shane one of, O'Mac. One of the best to ever put on the purple and gold. So, Artie, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you talk for just a second Let's, while I while I pour go, some. Go some ahead. Of my glass. Go ahead and pour your bubbly. Um But getting getting to this weekend's game though, um so excited for it. Right out the gate. I mean, we have. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we wanted UCF right out the gate. Um, <laughs> there you go, you, my sir. brother. Appreciate you. But this is going to be a good challenge for us, you know. In 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 many ways, I like the fact that we have UCF right out the gate because we are going to see where we are. And I've said this before. We're going to see where we are week right one. Right out the gate, week one, we are going to see what kind of football team we have. More importantly, we're going to see on the defensive side of the ball where we're at with new defensive coordinator Blake Harrell. So. We're going to get into our game predictions a little later, 
but I am extremely, extremely, extremely excited to see our new defense, our new defensive coordinator, our new, not our new offense, but our revamped offense with Holt Naylor's entering his third season. He is the captain now. He is the guy. Cannot wait for tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, neither can I. This this is like, I mean, Artie, it's like Christmas. We've been waiting all, we've been waiting since last November for this day. Mm-hmm. Since last November. We were, this is week four of college football. We were supposed to play on week zero. So we were supposed to play over a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or right at a month ago. I, I don't know. I'm not good with dates. But we were supposed to play with about a month ago. And we haven't played a single game yet. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be our fourth game. And here we are about to about to start. It's the dawn of a new day, baby. We are, we are ready for ECU football to take hold. And to come into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and put up a good show on ABC on a nationally televised game. So, a lot of people don't realize, this is really, I think this is maybe the first time in a, uh, that I can remember yeah. that ECU is on ABC nationally. They've been on ABC before. That 2015 game against I was, I was Virginia Tech. Say, I, I remember the game with 2014-2015. With James Summers and, and the pouring down rain. Yeah. That was a that was family weekend. I, I was doing a, I was doing a little hit for uh, ESPNU mm-hmm. that weekend. I, I'll never forget that. I, I was with a, a good friend of mine, Madison Jagger. She's she's now uh, doing. She's, she's now in an, Birmingham, right? She's an anchor at a news station in, in Alabama. But yep. shout um, out to her. We, I mean, we were working for ESPNU at the time, and I mean, we. <laughs> I was, I'll never forget like standing there, and it was pouring down rain, and I looked at her. I said. How the hell are we gonna do this today? Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we had a blast. We we went out to the tailgate lots. We we did all that. Unfortunately, there's not gonna be a lot of that going on this week. We're we're not gonna have the fans there, but but I think that I think that the at least the parents will be there, and that'll at least drive some. Which if if, if all you're gonna have is the parents, then cool. Like we, obviously, we want to have you know. <clears throat> Everybody there, or at least you know, fifteen to twenty to twenty-five percent capacity, but at the bare minimum. And I'm happy Governor Cooper got this right on on this one. He's going to allow all parents to see their children play this Saturday. That's just bare minimum necessities, in my opinion. Um, but I, I want to talk about the tremendous opportunity that ECU has on the national stage, like you said, on ABC, and for the American as a whole, because nationally, people know UCF, right? They are going to tune into this game because UCF is, what, 13th, 14th in, in the nation? They're 13th in the country. 13th yeah. in the country. Um, and ECU has a pretty big following, too. Not just in North Carolina, but, you know, ECU has a pretty, you know. Across, across the east and, and. Across the southeast region, yeah. I would say ECU has a pretty nice following. And so the opportunity that we have placed in front of us, I'm not saying that we have to win this game. I don't think anybody's expecting us to win well, we this gotta game. we got to come out and be competitive. But we need to compete. At the bare yeah. minimum, we have to come out and we have to compete and, and at least keep it close to show everyone, yes, UCF is this dominant force, but the American is a it, – it's not an upstart conference. It is a conference that is already here. And even the teams that you think are on the bottom, like in ECU, which a lot of people – we had that one idiot that said we were going to go winless. Top to <laughs> bottom, <laughs> the competition in this conference is fierce. And so we have a tremendous opportunity to come out and show the entire nation – on ABC with Mike Golick calling our game, um, that we can't Mike compete. Golick, friend of the podcast. 
get, just get the first one out there. Yeah, yeah. Friend of the podcast. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to see that and see a competitive game. That's all we're asking for. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking for an upset. As much as I would love one, I'm not asking for one. But wouldn't this be the perfect time for Holden Ehlers and Mike Houston and company to step out and say, we're here and not just knock on the door of the American Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. but kick that door in. Yeah. Isn't this the time? And, and you know, and ups, like, I don't, I, do I see us beating UCF? My, my, my brain says no. My heart says we have a legit chance. We have a legit chance because we're going to need big games, obviously, from, I would say, our three-headed monster at running back. We have three damn good running backs in that, in that backfield with Darius Penix, Chase Hayden, and Demetrius Monty. Those three guys can light it up. I also think from a receiving standpoint, C.J. Johnson, Tyler Sneed, Blake Prohl, we're going to need a 100-plus yard receiving day from one of those guys, plus another 50 yards from somebody else. In that in that receiving core, and, and I gotta think, I gotta think, Holton has to get about fifty yards on the ground himself. Yes, and Holton also, I would like to see him maybe have a rushing touchdown and maybe twenty five to fifty yards on the on, on the ground himself with another two fifty to three hundred yards passing at bare minimum. So offensively, we have the weapons and the quarterback and the leader to compete with just about anybody, not just UCF, but just about anybody. From a defensive standpoint, it's really going to come down to my two standouts on defense would be Xavier Smith. And Jaquan McMillan, Mc, McMillian, McMillan. I, I, I hope I'm not butchering McMillan. his name. McMillan. McMillan. I am so sorry, but those are my two defensive standouts. If those guys have shut down games, if 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 Xavier Smith goes out and has you know ten to twelve solo tackles with a sack, and if Jaquan goes out and has you know an interception or you know a fumble recovery or some forced fumbles or anything like that, I we're really going to be put in a good situation because I think turnovers will help us not only stay in the game, but be able to take a lead if not win. So we're going to have to create some turnovers. I I think if ECU can get two turnovers in this game, I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. You need two turnovers and maybe a stop or two, and that's huge. Yeah. That that there will put you – it won't put you in alignment to win, but it might put you in alignment to be competitive. I I, I think we have to have at least two turnovers to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would – that's – I mean, that's a must. If – Looking at this game, you've got to you've got to force turnovers. Now, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that here here in a little bit on mm-hmm. the on the podcast. But um, I, I wanted to give a shout out to ECU Athletics and to um, a friend of the podcast, Eric Ward, on something that they're doing. Um, as some of you may have seen, I believe it came out on I want to say it came out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. ECU announced the ECU virtual ticket. Um, so we what we did was we reached out to Eric Ward and we asked him to send in a, a, a little segment about, about the virtual ticket, what you can expect and how to find it. Um, it it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, something that even from the press box, I might actually tune into and see kind of what's going on. It, I, I really, I mean, I suggest all, all pirates do, do the same. So um, here, here's Eric Ward talking about the ECU virtual ticket. Hey there, Eric Ward here from ECU Marketing. Uh, Very excited to launch the ECU virtual ticket today. It's been six months in the making and everything has come together pretty perfectly. 
Uh, the virtual ticket is a Facebook Live broadcast feed on ECU Athletics that's intended to duplicate and represent the video board broadcast during a Pirate home football game. During game action, that will actually feature a live feed of both audio and video of Jeff Charles and company. And uh, it'll launch an hour prior to kickoff with the pregame show before it moves into the traditional game day atmosphere and traditions of pregame. What's really neat is you can get a behind-the-scenes look at the radio team at work and game action. You can even listen to this instead of the ESPN broadcast if you so choose. Uh, timeouts will be scripted the same as a normal game with ECU-specific content. So content such as Purple Haze, No Quarter, Living on a Prayer, Intro Video, etc. will be there for our fans at home. It's intended as a second screen experience, not at all intended to replace the ABC broadcast. We think the two together will create a dynamic game day experience. Uh, you won't be in Dowdy Ficklin, but you'll feel like it. Go Pirates. Once again, we wanted to thank Eric Ward for sending that in. Um, it's something that I think that is, I mean, it, it, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think I think it's a good idea. Not only because you're not going to have fans there, it gives people something that is normal, right? Mm-hmm. It brings back a sense of normalcy in a lot of people's lives, right? It everybody's used to the the band playing and hear, hearing EC Victory and, and all those songs, Purple Haze, mm-hmm. seeing the smoke, seeing all that. This will give everybody a chance to see that and and kind of feel like you're having that and right in your home. And and you know, obviously, you know, everybody wants to be at the game. We want to be at the game, you know, but um, it's it's a nice added touch, you know, like you said, to at least give them the kind of feel of, okay, it feels like I'm in Dowdy, even though I'm not in Dowdy, you know, and so I, I, I really appreciate them going out of their way to do that for the for the fans. Yeah, and I think this would be a, a good time. It's not on the it's not on the rundown or, or rundown already, but mm-hmm. I think this would be a good time to just kind of talk about. Looking forward, starting October 3rd, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, Governor Cooper has announced that the, they will be allowing 7% of uh, fans or yep. capacity yep. into outdoor arenas and, and stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, f- I forget that number. What was that number as far for, as the 51,000 we have in For ECU, that, that's roughly 3,500 okay. people. Okay. So you got to think, you'll have 250 or so tickets that go – Two ECU families. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have about a hundred or more go to the opposing team's friends and families, mm-hmm. and then the rest will be on will be two ECU fans. Yeah, um, I've got to think that it's going to be based off of your Pirate Club um, priority. Um, I know that that's something that's been widely talked about mm-hmm. on some of the message boards, and I, I think that I mean that, that's just going to be that's going to be how it is. Um, if you're in the top three thousand, congratulations! You'll be at you'll be at an ECU football game this year. If you're not, you might be out of luck. Yeah. Um, at least for the time being. At least until things start moving forward. I mean, this was moving into phase three. I don't know how many more phases we can go yeah, through. Yeah, we're gonna have a phase three point two, three point five, three point seven. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we're we're on. Hopefully we're coming to the end of, of the phases and. Starting to get back a little bit to normalcy, but uh, until then, seven percent of fans or seven percent capacity will be allowed into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and the other college football stadiums here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, but Artie, somebody that will be at the game, I believe we we didn't ask him this on on the interview, but somebody that I'm sure will be there. If not, he will be calling it um, from a satellite station. I'm 
I'm sure. I don't know what he's going to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll be in the building. He's got to be in the building. Yeah, you mean, would think. 30-plus years on, on, on campus. 33 years yeah. at ECU. That's that's purple and gold royalty right there. He'll, he'll be in the building. Uh, this guy, I mean, our next guest, I, I'll say this a lot on today's podcast, our next guest needs no introduction. Um, this guy, he, he's one of the pirate legends. He, he's a pirate great. Um, he's like we said, he's been with ECU for 33 years, and someone that could have easily gone on and, and excelled anywhere else in the country. Yeah, and chose to stay in Greenville and, and stayed loyal and bold. Loyal and bold, and uh, he he rocks his purple and gold. So uh, we we wanted to welcome Mister, the voice of Pirate Nation, Jeff, Jeff Charles. Charles. <laughs> welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. So this week's guest, one of our guests this week, is uh, he, he's a legend around Pirate Nation. Um, he, he's one of the guys that we've grown up listening to um, call, call ECU football games. And he, he's been a part of Pirate Nation for over 30 years now. He's the voice of Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. Jeff Charles, how's it going? Jared, I'm doing great. Good to visit with you and Artie today and talk pirate football. I didn't know if we were going to be able to talk any football a couple of months ago, but here we are, and uh, and we're ready to go for the start of the season. I'll be at 28 days late, coming up on Saturday. Yeah, we're, I know we're excited. I know you're excited as well. So, can you can you kind of give us an an insight into what it's going to look like from your perspective, calling ECU football games this year? Well, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. Uh, it's going to be a surreal experience. It really is. Walking into a 50,000-seat stadium and virtually nobody there. Now, there will be 350 people there, but can you imagine 350 people spaced out, you know, in a 50,000-seat yeah, stadium? So that's, it's going to look, look Yeah, it's going to look empty. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to get our head around it. I think there, there will be crowd noise uh, that will be piped in. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's exciting for the players and the coaches. They put their heart and soul into football, obviously, and they've worked so hard just to get to this point where we are finally going to have a game. And then, of course, jumping into the fire here against one of the best teams in the country. So they're excited about that. Uh, we're excited to get started. You know, all of us who do this, this is a passion for all of us. And as you mentioned, uh, this is my 33rd year now coming up. So I've seen a lot of pirate football down through the years. We've had the great times. We've had uh, the times of the program's been down. And where we are right now in the history of this program is that we are in very much of a rebuild mode in, mm -hmm. in Mike Houston's second year. But we're anxious to see what a lot of these new guys who are going to be out on the field on Saturday do. Now, Jeff, that kind of leads into my, my next question. Uh, what, what have you noticed in year two under Mike Houston uh, compared to where Scotty Montgomery was in his second year? Well, Artie, when you look back, uh, Coach Montgomery worked hard here. He, he did everything that uh, you know, he possibly could to bring the program to the level that he wanted and that we all wanted. Uh, he just had some, some uh, recruiting that probably wasn't as good as what the program needed at the time. And I think when Mike Houston, now that he has come in, they have really worked hard in recruiting. And re recruiting at ECU is not an easy thing. But they have worked extremely hard. And one has to feel that the talent level is a little bit better going into uh, Mike's second year than maybe it was with Scotty. But the thing about the talent level, it can be a little bit better this year 
but it is so young. I mean, there are 54 new players on this football roster, which is incredible. I don't think I have ever seen that before. And there are going to be a lot of guys that are going to get thrown in the fire probably before they're ready, but they're going to have to get out there and, and they're going to have to play. And you hope that that bodes well for the future because all these kids are going to get redshirted, as you guys know, this year. So that's going to be a tremendous help to the program. Get these kids out there. Get them a year's experience. There will be a, a redshirt situation. So next year they come back and uh, really won't burn a year of their eligibility. And they'll be ready to play, you know, from the get-go with a year under their belt. So uh, that, that, that's good. But uh, I think that, you know, when you compare the two programs, both of them were in rebuilding modes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Mike has done more with uh, totally revamping the roster, though, at this point. Got you, got you. And, you know, you, you had mentioned we play one of the best teams in the country week one. What's your expectations for us against UCF, and how do you think we fare against uh, the, the, the Knights of uh, Central Florida? Well, they're really good, Artie. They're, they're really a good football team. I mean, you don't go to Georgia Tech and beat up on them, and they, they really beat up Georgia Tech. Them. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. They really did. It was 49-21. to They dominated both lines of scrimmage. They are much faster, much quicker, just a lot better football team. And that's what we're going to see in here on Saturday. They are, they're so explosive. I always joke with my broadcast partner, Kevin Monroe, and I always tell Kevin, Kevin, you know, this is the game that you don't get to talk because they, <laughs> they snap the ball every five seconds, five to seven seconds. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of analysis going on when you see him. As a football, they're, they're fun to watch, but, you know, the, the, the challenge ECU is going to have is, is just to get, get lined up right. And, and that, to me, is a big concern because you've got a new defensive coordinator. Blake Harrell is the fifth defensive coordinator in five years for the Pirates. It's just tough crazy. to have any kind of continuity or consistency when you're changing coordinators like that. Mm -hmm. And so he's got a new scheme. He's got new terminology. He's got a whole bunch of new kids. And, you know, to throw them in the fire against one of the best offenses in the country is going to be a big-time challenge for these guys. But when you think of UCF, and we've thought about this over the last five years when they've had this terrific run, it's always about speed. Speed and quickness. I mean, these guys are fast and they are athletic. And so that's going to be something the Pirates are going to have to match up with on both sides of the ball. I mean, everybody talks about their offense, which is really, really good. But defensively, they've got great athletes over there, too. And their secondary, I talked with Gary Parrish yesterday, who is the analyst on the UCF radio network, and he told me their secondary is the best secondary he's ever seen there. And their two safeties in tandem are the two best safeties he's ever seen play at UCF. So mm. <laughs> they talk about 49 points, you know, and talk about Dylan Gabriel and all the offensive weapons. Well, they're really good on defense, too. Yeah, they, they are um, – I mean – they're they're a true uh, a true American football team that I mean they they can really do well in all facets of the game. So, so some of Mike Houston said, Coach Mike Houston said earlier this week. Um, one of the things that he said was, "We gotta we gotta stay in the fight." So I want I want to see kind of what you would have to say about how does ECU stay in the fight this week against UCF. Well, Jerry, they've got to get off the field. That They can't allow uh, touchdowns. They can't allow, allow long drives and uh, for UCF to, you know, start putting points on the board. I've always felt that coaches panic sometimes when they get behind in games and, and uh, abandon the game plan when they get a couple of touchdowns down and, 
you know, all of a sudden start throwing the ball all over the place. I think sometimes you have to be a little bit more patient than that. But in this case, these guys score so quickly. And as Mike said, I mean, you, you can't you can't be down 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. It's going to be a long day. So you're going to have to come out in that first quarter and get some stops. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully if the Pirates can do that, uh, you know, that'll give the offense a little bit of confidence too. And I think this team – offensively will score some points this year. I mean, there are some question marks with the offensive line, kind of like always, but, you know, with Holt Nailers and with the receivers that he has uh, coming back and uh, look, what looks like it's going to be a really good stable of running backs this year, uh, I think the Pirates are going to score points. But going into this game and going into probably every game this year, the question I'm going to have is can they stop anybody? And East Carolina has had a hard time doing that. You look at the second half of last year, the last six games, and the Pirates really had problems stopping people. And uh, this league is so tough. I joke with Blake Carroll, the new defensive coordinator, and tell him he's got one of the toughest gigs in college football because being a defensive coordinator in the American, not only at East Carolina, but at all of these schools, it is really difficult with the high-powered offenses that we see in this league and so he's he's jumping into the fire too. Yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree. So I, another question, kind of along those lines, you you mentioned ECU's got to ECU's got to hold them back in the in the first quarter in the first half. That's something that they've done fairly well over the past two or three times that they've met. Um, what what would you say going into the second half? How how can they really step on the throttle and and maybe? to have a chance to, to upset this game? Well, again, I think it's about keeping it close. You can't get blown out early. Uh, I think with a young football team and the first game of the year, it's going to take a while for them to settle in and get their sea legs, if you will. Uh, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I, I think the environment's going to be totally different. Now, you look at UCF, they've already played a game. They have a game under their belt. Now, they had fans – at Georgia Tech, they had, I think, 11,000 fans there for that game. East Carolina is not going to have near that many. But they have, uh, they have a surreal situation, too. They're, they're traveling on the road, which is uh, a real challenge these days with all the protocols that are in place now. So they're having to travel. Uh, they're going to be playing in an empty stadium. Mm-hmm. So they, they've, got, they've got some things that they have to overcome as well. But Again, like Coach Houston said yesterday, it's just a big-time key. You can't get behind big. And not to get behind big, you've got to play some pretty good defense and you can't have broken assignments and you can't, you can't uh, get behind, you know, with big plays, a big explosion plays that they may have. And all of a sudden you look up and they've run two or three plays and they've already got a couple of touchdowns on the board. Same thing for their special teams going to have to be really solid there because they've got game breakers with their special teams as well. So when, when you do get stops, if you get those stops, what you have to do as well then is you have to, you have to play well offensively and, and, and score some points. You know, mm-hmm. we talk a lot in football about playing off of each other, the offense and the defense playing off of each other, and you will see the good teams who go out and get a three downs and out and then the offense comes right back out there, and they have a nice sustained drive, and they score. So mm-hmm. that'll be a key. That'll be a key in this game. Pirates cannot turn it over. Georgia Tech turned it over five times last week. That's just an absolute recipe for disaster. 
And uh, again, a concern is how good that secondary is. So Holt Naylor is going to have to be careful this week. Now, you know, provided our defense plays well, uh, what do you think offensively the magic number is? Is it 31? Is it 35? Is it 42? What is, how, many points, yeah, how, how many points <laughs> do you think we have to score to actually beat UCF? <laughs> we got to score a lot of points <laughs> to beat these guys. I don't, I don't know if I can put a number on it. but 170. <laughs> yeah, the, the light bulbs are going to have to be burned out on the stadium uh, <laughs> scoreboard for the Pirates to win this one, I think. It, yeah, and, you know, guys, that's, that's the way it is in the American. I mean, a lot of these, guys, these games, I mean, they're 45 to 42 and 52 to 48. It's kind of like who has the ball last and, and scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just kind of a type of league that it is. But, you know, if you're ECU, if you can win 52 to 50 or 10 to 7, you just have to find a way to, to win the win. game. Yeah, I just, I just think, though, that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. On Saturday, I just hope the Pirates can, can keep pace. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, due to, due to COVID, um, Pirate Athletics has taken a, a, a bit of a hit. Uh, do you think athletically our you know, athletic department can bounce back even if the play on the field is somewhat subpar? Well, there are major financial issues at ECU. There is no question about that. It's been, it's been well documented. I, I don't know exactly what the, what the figure is going to be at the end of the fiscal year. For next year, I mean, there was a loss that was projected even before COVID, mm-hmm. and now with the COVID situation and with you not able to sell tickets and with everything that goes into that, it has such a spinoff effect. You know, at games if people can't come, you've got your concessions. Then that it's not a revenue stream. I mean, it just goes from one thing to the next. So ECU financially is in a tough situation, but it's not unlike a lot of other schools uh, in the country and in fact you know you see the power five schools and they're furloughing people and mm-hmm. they're cutting their staffs and and they're having problems uh, meeting their budget uh, requirements so it's it's going on all over the country and east carolina is one of those schools that certainly is is challenged now with a lot of a lot of uh, red ink in the in the athletics department so i think moving forward they're going to have to be some big time decisions made as to uh, the staff and the budgets and all those kinds of things. Because this year, as uh, John Gilbert, the athletic director, has said, it's survival mode, just trying to survive financially this year. Hopefully, you know, we can get back to some sense of normalcy a year from now and get that season ticket base back up and get people back in the stands. So, again, this year is just going to be one of those very difficult years to survive financially. Yeah, and – and that, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's been a t- the talk of the land for the last couple of years, especially since John Gilbert has come in replacing the new regime. Um, but I kind of want to take this in a, in, a different, um, in a different direction also. I wanted to kind of get your take. You, like you said, you've been with the program for 33 years now. I want to get your take. What does it mean to you to be a pirate? That's a good question, uh, Jared. It, it means a lot to me. Um, I came here in 1988 and uh, really became a, a part of the program. I've been grateful to be a part of the program and privileged to be an ECU Pirate all of these years. And our roots are very deep in, in Greenville, uh, very deep with the program and, and in the community. It's really home. I didn't grow up here. I didn't go to school at ECU. I grew up in Ohio. But uh, EC was always one of those programs that I had an, an eye out for. And when I had the opportunity to come here and Dave Hart 
Jr. hired me here in, in 1988. Doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, but it's been 33 <laughs> years ago. Uh, you know, I was really excited about the opportunity to come here. And, you know, I've, I've said this many times, uh, Greenville and ECU is a unique place. And I've had just a small part of being a part of the tremendous growth we have seen. At ECU, when I came here, there were 14,000 students. Now there are 29,000. Greenville was a town of 45,000 people. Now it's 90,000 plus. Wow. So both of them have doubled since I've been here in the last 33 years. And to be a part of that and see the growth and see how the university has grown, see how our facilities have grown, the stadium and all the renovations, the new baseball field, and see how all the campus buildings have have come to fruition and all the kids that are bumping 30,000 here are now on campus. Mm -hmm. It's just been a lot of fun just to be an observer and to be, again, a part of, of watching this growth. So the pirate fans are great. Uh, I've always said that there are no more passionate fans than pirate fans. I wish we had more of them, but the mm -hmm. ones we have are tremendous and they've been so kind to me and my wife, Debbie down through the years. And uh, we're just, we're just proud to be pirates and wear that purple and gold. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, uh, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk a little basketball. So I want to kind of ask you, what's the expectations like for Joe Dooley and Pirate Basketball this season from your perspective? Well, I'm hoping for some improvement. I mean, Joe has really worked hard. I'll say this about Joe Dooley. Joe Dooley is the hardest working basketball coach I have ever been around. And I've been around dozens and dozens of them. I love to hear Nobody that. Works harder. <laughs> Nobody recruits harder. I mean, Joe has – Got a big recruit yesterday. Yes, he did, which we're excited about. But Joe has Joe has pulled – you know, put all of his blood, sweat, and tears into this thing. So, it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. uh, the good news is a lot of these guys that played last year and got experience are, are coming back. But, you know, for East Carolina, I mean, this is one of the premier basketball conferences in the country. It is mm -hmm. difficult for East Carolina – to win in this league. In fact, I'll give you guys a couple of stats here. Since ECU has been in the American in basketball, the conference record is 27 and 88. And since East Carolina has been in the American in football, the record is 13 and 35. Mm -hmm. So that's a six year <laughs> body of work for both football and basketball. And you can see how difficult it has been for ECU to win in this league. And Joe's competing against schools that have won national championships and been to mm -hmm. final fours with great traditions, great facilities, big fan bases. It's a tough, tough nut, but if anybody can get it done, he can. And I'm excited about Jaden Gardner coming back and Tristan Newton just came out of nowhere last year and, and was a terrific player for the pirates. Really excited about him and all the other guys that are coming back. Brandon Suggs is going to be a nice player too. Mm -hmm. So they've got some pieces I probably don't have enough of them yet. I mean, a lot of guys have to develop. Charles Coleman has to develop. Luigi DeBoe will be back. He missed all of last year with an injury. Gives the Pirates another seven-footer. And and I'm really looking for uh, Tremont Robinson-White to, to step up this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tremont's got a lot of talent, but he's just had these nagging injuries that have really set him back. But uh, he is quick as a cat. He He can match up physically and with quickness and speed with anybody in the league at the point guard spot. And he can shoot it a little bit, too. Uh, I think a big key for this year is to keep him healthy, keep him in there and run on the show at the point for 30-plus minutes, and, and he'll give the Pirates a, a good opportunity. Gotcha. Now, I'm, I'm not expecting a, a, a winning record, but do you think we can get to 500? 
Well, it's it's probably possible, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be tough. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but instead of playing 18 conference games, they're going to play 20 conference games this year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and only five non-conference. So the season's going to be less. It's going to be 25 games than the usual 30. So you you know you'd have to win 13 out of the 25. It won't be easy again playing against playing against the American Athletic Conference mm-hmm. competition. But I, I do think that they have a chance to be improved. And that, that's always that's always great to hear. Um, one, one of the uh, I have a couple more questions. I, kn- I know we're running short on time, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you is: go, Looking forward to UCF this weekend on Saturday afternoon. If you had to give a prediction, you don't have, you don't have to give score or whatnot. But like, what what would your prediction for the storyline of this game be? Well, there are a lot of storylines going into this game. I think the biggest storyline is how will ECU's new defense fare against this UCF high-powered offense? I think that's going to be that's going to be a, a big storyline, not only to start the game but throughout the game, and then probably after the game, we'll say, well, you know, these guys stepped up and they did a lot better job than we thought, or the other side of the coin that Pirates had a hard time stopping UCF. So I, I think that's the, I think that's the big storyline going into it. Uh, how they look, I mean, even if, even if they give up, you know, some touchdowns, which is going to happen, if, if they look like, you know, they're playing hard, they're aggressive, they're lined up, they're buttoned down, if you will, and they know their assignments. I think even though they might give up some points, we can say, well, there's something to build on there. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then, and then offensively, a storyline going in is going to be the offensive line. Can they can they block? Can they can they open some holes for the running backs? And and Holton, of course, Holton's a, a junior now. He's been through the wars, and this is going to be his time this year. And he's not just the the young kid on the block. I mean, this is his football team, and and Holton has to rise to the occasion. And he's a he's a work ethic guy, and he's done a great job. He's got a great attitude. He's got some tools around him this year. So I think that uh, Holton has to manage the game well. The Pirates cannot turn it over. He can't throw three picks, and the Pirates win this football game this week. So all of those things, special teams, you know, East Carolina is good with the kicker. Jake Verity is one of the best in the country, I think. The punting game should be solid. They just can't give up big returns in the punt game and the kickoff game either. So those special teams are going to play a big role too. Wholeheartedly agree. And – one of the last questions that I have, and we're coming, we're coming to the end of it. Um, there's a line that you say after every ECU win, and hopefully we hear that line this weekend. Uh, you can paint this one purple. Can, can you kind of give us some, some detail into, into how that came about and, and where, where that came from? <laughs> well, in another life, years and years ago, before I came to East Carolina, I was at Furman and Furman University in the Southern Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. Used to play ECU back in the old Southern Conference days. Well, I was the voice of the Paladins at Furman in uh, 1982. And for people who follow college athletics and college football closely, Furman is purple. And a lot of people, in fact, call them the Purple Paladins. And I just remember they won a big game. They had, they've had great teams there over the years. The year I did their games, they went – to the uh, playoffs, they called it then the one double A playoffs. They had a great had a great team there, 
And uh, I remember they won a big game and they were purple and it just sort of came out one day. I said, and you can paint this one purple. I don't really know. I didn't give it any thought or whatever. It just came out. And then I went to Virginia Tech and I was there for five years. And when I came back uh, to East Carolina, I said, you know, maybe I better dust that off again because it had started to catch on at Furman and Believe it or not, I still run into Furman fans from all of those years ago or people in the athletics department who, who come up to me and they'll say, there's Jeff Charles, painted purple. And they say <laughs> it at Furman too. So I dusted it off after five years, started using it at ECU. And, you know, it, it takes a while for something like that to, to really catch on. And it really didn't catch on until the Peach Bowl year in 1991. I mean, I was, I was using it uh, the three years prior to that. And I think people were, you know, picking up on it a little bit. But when ECU had the, the tremendous year in, in 1991 and finished number nine in the country and went 11-1, and one, and I started saying it after every game, it was like a snowball going downhill at that point. And then uh, people really caught on to it. And so it's, it's just been something fun, something fun for fans and, and players and hopefully coaches and, and those of us in the broadcast business. It's just become a, a unique type of, signature saying that a lot of broadcasters have something they say uh some of them don't some of them do it's just a personal choice and it's just something that that i say after wins unfortunately guys haven't been able to say it as much as i would like to in recent yeah. years but hopefully that's going to change yeah we're, we're hoping for a couple more of those th this year um, a couple more than what we're used to over the past three or four years um so one our last question this is this is probably the hardest question that we're going to ask you the whole podcast okay um the question we ask, we ask all of our guests. So now that you've been a guest, you're a friend of the podcast. We hope that you're going to come on. We, we haven't even touched on some of the things that I mm -hmm. like, really want to touch on yep. about the history of ECU and, and talk to you about that. But uh, one question that I wanted to ask you and that we ask all of our guests is, if after ECU victory or just any time, you, um, you get to go uptown Greenville, downtown Greenville, whatever you want to call it, and you, you head over to there's – there's a fine establishment over there. It's called Sup Dogs. Um, I'm sure you're familiar, right? Oh, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> so the question is, when you go to Sup Dogs, what, what's your order? What, what are you getting at Sup Dogs? <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I have been to Sup Dogs one time in my entire life. Wow. wow. And I am trying to remember what I got. But if it's a pirate win – I would probably have an adult beverage and a salad. Okay. 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 We, we, can, we can live with that. We've had two straight interesting uh, answers to that question in, in, in a row now. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. But, uh, Jeff, we wanted to thank you again. Um, it's, it's a pleasure talking with you and, and having you on the podcast. Uh, you're, you're somebody that, as I've grown into ECU football and listening and, and watching and listening to you i mean you you're you embody what it what it takes to takes to be a pirate so um we wanted to thank you for joining us and we, we hope to have you on again soon okay okay guys i appreciate it enjoyed it have a good one absolutely thanks you jeff too. you too so once again we wanted to thank uh voice of pirate nation jeff charles for joining the Boneyard Podcast this week, Artie, uh, what what'd you take away from from that from that conversation with Jeff? Um, everything that I thought he was going to say, he said. I mean, he's he has been the consummate pro. 
uh, for ECU sports and athletics for the last, you know, 30 plus years now, 33 years. Um, you know, interesting to hear his perspective on financially, what, you know, what, what he thinks we need to do, he, you know, being up to par, not just in football, but in basketball and in everything else. Um, so, you know, really enjoyed that interview and uh, definitely want a friend of the podcast now, Jeff Charles, to uh, come back on and join us again soon. Yeah, definitely. So um, re- really enjoyed that conversation. You can paint that interview purple. Um, Absolutely. So, Artie, we've got a, we've got a matchup tomorrow. Uh, ECU welcomes the Knights of Central Florida into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. And I'm going to tell you this, it's going to be a knockdown, drag out brawl up until the last second. This is going to be a fight to the end. If ECU wants to, if ECU wants to compete, it's going to have to be. I'm, I'm, I'm torn because it's like at the same time I don't want it to be a shootout because that's exactly what UCF wants, but it might have to be a shootout for us to win. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, it just it, might have to be. We'll, we'll talk about betting lines later. I, you've, I, I'm sure you've seen the betting line on, on this game. But we'll, we'll talk about it. we'll talk about that last in the podcast. That's a new segment we're going to mm. be adding to the podcast is a, a betting segment. Betting. Um, but looking at it, you've got two high powered offenses. Like you said, I mean, you've got Demetrius Mooney, Darius Penix, and Chase Hayden mm-hmm. out coming out of the backfield. Plus, you've got a I mean, one of the top wide receiver units in the league in, in the country. And yeah, at ECU. And I mean a junior quarterback that I mean is like I mean like Mike Golick will say it later on in the podcast. I mean these are guys that are going to fly under the radar, but they could be putting up, you know, gaudy numbers. Yeah, I mean they they could just be putting up extremely gaudy numbers. I mean with C.J. Johnson, I think this is the year that Blake Pro breaks out. Mark my words, I'm, I'm taking I'm 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 going out on a on Green's a leap of boy. leap of faith. He is a Greensboro. I played against his brother Austin. Pop one football that takes us back to the early two thousand days, but I'm I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying Blake Pro will be the guy this year, followed with you know C.J. Johnson doing his thing, Tyler Snead doing his thing, but I really think Blake Pro is going to step up wow. and, okay. and and be a thousand yard receiver if not more this season. Yeah, last year was the first year, and I believe it was eight years that ECU hadn't had a thousand yard receiver on their team. I. Now, I, I could see Blake Prohl doing it. Um, granted, this year we are going to have a shorter season. It's, it's going to be harder to, to have that. I mean, you've got to be averaging 100 yards Well, yeah, I, I didn't even think about the 10 games. To, I, I didn't even factor in the 10 games. And right now we only <laughs> have nine. Right now we only have nine games on the schedule. Well, maybe like a seven to 800 you know, but if yard there, season. If there's any in a team, normal season, he'd have 1,000. If there's any team that can have a 1,000-yard receiver in a nine-game season, I believe it's this ECU football team. You've got these guys. You've got guys like C.J. Johnson, Blake mm-hmm. Prohl, Tyler Sneed. You've got these guys that can go out there, and they'll, they will ball out. They'll go out, and they'll, they'll – And I think all three of those guys are going to do their thing. Yeah. I think all of them are going to play well. And, I mean, they're, they're all getting a little bit older. They're getting a little more mature, and, and they're growing. But that also we, – we haven't even talked about, really – the UCF offense. Mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel, watching that – I don't know if you watched it. I watched the UCF-Georgia Tech game last week. And that game, like at first it was a close game. Georgia Tech was doing what Coach Mike Houston said they we need to do. Mm-hmm. Stay, they were staying in the fight. They stayed in the fight until about halftime. Then after halftime, UCF put a beat down on Georgia Tech. Right. And it, it wasn't even close. 
Now, they did go to Atlanta, and they whooped up on a Power 5, quote-unquote, team. Uh But if I'm being honest, Georgia Tech is not a good football team right now. And Georgia Tech is not going to win any more than three games in their own conference. And I'm being generous by saying that. So as much as I am impressed by any group of five, quote-unquote, going to a Power Five and beating them in their stadium – I really think they're going to get a better game from ECU this weekend than they got from Georgia Tech. I, I just, I truly believe that. I think they're getting a better game from ECU this weekend than from Georgia Tech. I don't know. All the national pundits have, have been telling me that Georgia Tech is a good team based off of them being a Power 5 team. So, who knows? Who knows? I, I, Are they? I agree. Are they a good team? I, I agree with you. I, agree. <laughs> I don't see it. Artie, I agree with you. <laughs> I don't see it. I, I don't think that, I mean, outside of Clemson, I don't believe that there's any team other than Notre Dame right now. In the Look, ACC, you got, that you, you've is, got is good enough. You've got Clemson, you've got Notre Dame, you've got um, maybe Chapel Hill, Miami. Miami, and you've got and you've got UNC. No, those are your four contenders in the ACC. Everybody else, I, I'm not trying to hear about them. I'm just not. They're not. They're not that good. It, but that that kind of goes back to show the bullshit rankings. You got you got Virginia Tech ranked in top twenty in the country. Why? I'm never concerned about Virginia Tech. They'll always find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Why? Why is Virginia Tech ranked 20? Virginia in the Tech has never let Louisville. me down Why when is, it comes to shooting themselves. What has Louisville done in the past two years to be ranked? Well, but see, you have to understand, we didn't have the SEC. The SEC is coming back this week, so they're going to kick a lot of teams that shouldn't have been ranked out of those rankings. But but what I'm saying, and is, then when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 come back, well, 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 I shouldn't even say Pac-12. Nobody in their conference out of Oregon is going to be ranked. But when the Big Ten comes back. They're going to kick more people that should not be in the ranking out. So, and in the American Athletic Conference, they put up a good showing last week against. I mean, Tulsa went up against Oklahoma State. I mean, we weren't we weren't going to talk the American Athletic Conference in depth right now. We were. We were I was foc- I was trying to focus more on the UCF uh, offense, but it just goes to show the depth in this in this league. Everybody was saying that UC or that Tulsa Oklahoma State game. Was gonna have a ton of scoring. That mm-hmm. game ended up being what sixteen to seven. Yeah, and I mean, that, I mean that was that was a close game right to the wire. And I, I mean, I was hoping Tulsa would pull it off against Oklahoma State, but un- unfortunately they, they weren't able to. Um, but I think I think that's gonna be the type of game we see is a game that we were expecting to see in in Oklahoma State last weekend. A game that's gonna be a shootout until the end and. Well, I don't think that game bodes well for ECU against UCF. It does in, in most weeks, but against UCF, I don't think I don't think that's a good combination for ECU. Mm-hmm. You've got to find a way to get stops. You've got to find a way to turn the ball over and and give your get your defense off the off the field. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the keys to the game, you know, Dylan Gabriel and that Otis Anderson matchup that they have is going to be deadly. We have to we can't stop it. But we have to slow it down. I honestly believe, and we asked Jeff Charles this, and he didn't, he didn't have an answer. I think 45 gets it done. I think 45 gets it done. Man, I'm, because I'm, in the ballpark I, be, of, I'm, I'm more in the ballpark of about 55. I, I don't think we have to score that much. Because if we have to score 55, that means our defense is, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think 45 with, a, with, with the two turnovers that we said we need, 45, 38, 45, 41, that's the kind of football game. Now, Grant, this is an upset I'm talking about. 
Now we could we could come out and lay an egg tomorrow. We could come out and play well and still lose by double digits. But in order for us to pull an upset, I think 45 plus a couple of turnovers plus stopping or not stopping, but slowing down that rushing attack of Otis Anderson and limiting Dylan Gabriel to making sure he doesn't make explosive plays. We keep him in check. That's going to be the key to the game for me. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, we may be a little bit off on the points. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that a UCF team that needed 49 or scored 49 points, they didn't need them. They scored 49 points against Georgia Tech last week. I, I think that we're going to have to be looking at a 55. Now, I will say this. If we score 45 tomorrow and still lose, we that, come on. <laughs> come that, on. That, that's that's come a on. good day in my book. If we score 45 and still lose, that's a good day in my book. Uh, see, I'm, I'm a defensive guy. That, 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 that will never be a good day in my book. That, that's if just, my offense puts up 45 points, we should have won by double figures. I, I mean. At, that, that's at, just how I feel. We should have won by. If my the, offense puts up 45, we should have won that game by double figures. At, that's at, just how I feel. At, at the end of the day, Yes. That, I, that look, I, I know I know where we stand as a football club. I know where we are. I'm just but saying, looking at, looking at the, the defense. defensive guy that I am, if my offense puts up 45, there's no way in hell we should have lost that game. So we've been talking about two quarterbacks that put up huge numbers and will put up huge numbers on during tomorrow's game, uh, our 12 o'clock noon kickoff against UCF. Let's talk about a quarterback uh, that that – has put up big numbers in his career and did put up big numbers in his career. He is one of the goats, y'all. I mean, this guy, the next guest on the Boneyard Podcast, this guy, I mean, he's, how would you describe what it was like watching Shane Carden throw the ball to Zay Jones and Justin Hardy on a weekly basis? It was showtime. Showtime. It was showtime. I, I felt like I was watching. Absolute showtime. I felt like I was watching a high school team a lot of times. Against a Pop Warner team. I mean, Jared, we would leave Ragers. You have to understand, back in back in, in this time, this was like ECU heyday. Every block you were on, there was a Rager going on. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't matter who you knew. I didn't, it didn't party matter, in school. It, it didn't matter what fraternity or sorority. It didn't matter if you were even, even a part of Greek life. You were at a Rager. We left Ragers to go watch this man play football. That's how showtime he was. So, Yeah, I mean, this guy, he... Watching them, watching that high-powered offense led by Lincoln Riley and Shane Carden, I mean that's, I mean that that's it. It was it was something. It, it was something to be talked about, mm-hmm. and it, it was talked about widely across across the country, especially that 2013 and 2014 season. Um, but yeah, already right, I say let's uh, let's send it over to our next interview, our second interview out of three. Mm-hmm. This one, the captain, like I said, my captain, old captain. The captain, Captain Morgan, Captain Shane Dam Carden. So our next guest, he's uh he's one of those guys that has become a legend in ECU history. He I mean he spent four years here and and really I mean made an impact at ECU. Um let let's talk about him. In I mean he led this team to some of the greatest years in ECU history. Mm-hmm. He led that offense, that high-powered offense that everybody was talking about on ESPN, on air everything, raid. that air raid offense. He led it him with Lincoln Riley. Our next guest really needs no introduction, like I've said with most of our guests today. He is Shane Carden. Welcome to the podcast, Shane. How's it going? 
Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. We're we're super excited to have you on. We've um we've been we've been talking about it. We've been saying like, yeah, we got we got to get Shane on. Um, so I wanted to kind of just ask you like, how's everything been, man? How's uh, coronavirus been treating you? <laughs> I think for everyone, it's just you know it's uncertain times. You know, sitting here, I'm trying to coach some high school football, and obviously that's just been difficult. Trying to figure out if we have a game each week and. You know, our, our situation is actually pretty unique, and I know that's uh, hard to say right now, but, you know, the rest of our league's playing, and uh, our school board is, is on a different metric, so we're having to figure out almost the day of whether we can and cannot play a team, and it's been frustrating, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're getting football at least, and, uh, you know, there are some schools sitting at home and coaches sitting at home, so at least I'm, I'm able to do something I love. Yeah, and so you're, you're out in Idaho. What part of Idaho are you in now? I'm in Haley, Idaho. Most people would know it uh, for Sun Valley, which is the resort, just five miles north of where the high school's at. Um, and it's it's great. I'm doing that, doing some real estate. Uh, you know, I get, I get to have football in my life. It's not all my life. I get to venture out and kind of get more in the business world and, and mm-hmm. live in the mountains. And, you know, it's a great place to be. Now, Shane, you're the, you're the head football coach of uh, Wood River High, correct? Yes. Okay. What What led to you becoming – the head coach of, of Wood River. And, I, and honestly, how high do you want to get with your coaching career? Uh, you know, I guess I'll answer the first part of that question. Um, you know, after, you know, Chicago, then Germany, then Canada, then Baltimore, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out if I wanted to go back and play arena or, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and they had a couple of back concussions there at the end and just kind of put me off and I was actually on a camping trip um, up in Sweden uh, with a buddy of mine. And we were sitting there one morning, you know, after a late night, just kind of talking, drinking some whiskey and sitting there. And I was in the morning sitting on the river with the trees. And I was like, you know, I've, I've been going up to Idaho for a long time. And I looked all across the river and I was like, man, I, I kind of want to just live in a place like this. And mm-hmm. Idaho, why would I not go up there right now? And my parents had moved up here five years ago. Uh, my dad had gotten some couple of health issues, so I came up here and just kind of made it work. And when I got here, first went and talked to uh, the AD, who I talked to a little bit from time to time, and um, who was also the head football coach. And we had a few conversations, and he was kind of on his way out. Um, so he said, great, let me coach some offense. And then, you know, understand it. And that ended up being a year. And then he just said, yeah, all right, I'm done. It's, it's yours. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And, uh, you know, here I am. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can never go wrong with make, making a decision over over whiskey and, and, and sitting out in nature. So, uh, yeah. kind of a fun question off of that. That I'm, I'm a I'm a whiskey guy myself. Um, what what you go to? What you go to whiskey? If you're if you're pre gaming for an ECU a seven o'clock ECU game, what's your go to whiskey? <laughs> so that's so that's two, that's that's like two different questions right there. A.M. <laughs> for uh, an ECU game, I think the whiskey kind of. What, what anyone's ever got, but I think Pendleton right now would be my, my go-to. Um, and then, you know, from being up here, man, I've turned into a total scotch guy. Okay. So okay. I've really gotten, like, on our, our camping trips, it was either it was either some kind of whiskey or we'd get into some Johnny Walker. Um, okay. That was kind of easy. And I got my special one that I always, always pronounce wrong, and people don't think I've ever drank it before, but it's Lafroig or Lafrog. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that. Nice. Uh, you gotta check it out. It's a green bottle. It's uh, it's nice and smoky. Um, so that's kind of my go-to right now. That that sounds good. Next time you're in town, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to partake in some whiskey. Um, <laughs> that I, I, cool. I enjoy that. So, 
kind of wanted to talk to you about about your history at ECU. Kind of jump into it. I mean, you you come in and and you take over that offense, and you're under Lincoln Riley. Tell us how kind of you came to ECU and, and what that experience was like. It was crazy. Um, you know, I was two weeks before signing day. I was going to see them at Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's right when I think Ruff had gotten the job, I think a week before that. Lincoln Riley had called me because I was currently working out and training with a quarterback, B.J. Simmons, who had his, his big year at Texas Tech and played a little bit in the NFL. And he was uh, working in Houston. And I was uh, working out with him, and there was a communication there. There was also a communication between one of the Stephen F. Austin coaches um, and someone at ECU. And, there was a bit of a, you know, did you kind of steal our guy last minute kind of scenario um, that my head coach kind of filled me out at the high school level. Uh, so there, I think there was some hurt deals. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that the coach who had recruited me at Cedar Foss, I think he left within a year or two. And so, you know, it's, it's college recruitment is what it is. But, um, yeah, they called me up. And I was actually supposed to go see Central Michigan and ECU in the same um, recruiting weekend. I was supposed to make my official visit, too, because it was the last weekend I could do it. And I had to make a decision. And uh, so Riley's like, you know, if, if you do that, I have to bring another quarterback in. I'm like sitting there thinking about it, talking with family. I'm like, uh, air raid, you know, I've been watching this in Texas. That's what I want to run. Yeah. You know, in, in North Carolina, you know, it's got to be warmer than central Michigan. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> we'll just do that this weekend. I'll just go there. So I get there. Um, the ground's totally frozen over with ice. The school <laughs> closed down. Uh, I don't even think Ruff could fly in because of the snow and the ice. So I'm like – Wait a minute. I'm supposed to pick the warmer one here. Um, so, yeah, I get in, uh, get to meet a bunch of the guys. And, you know, at that point, I pretty much already said I was going there. And then I remember getting back after the weekend and someone from, I don't know, Rivals or something. So, like, how was the visit? I was like, great. Yeah, it was good. Like, so did you commit? I'm like, well, yeah, I told him I wanted to go there. Like, no, I think you have to, like, say officially commit. And, you know, I was like, I, I didn't know. There was no video to put out. There was no, like – hat you know I was like I, I thought I told him I wanted to go there so he's like no oh, Lincoln and Ruff I tell him you're coming I was like okay so I called up Ruff said hey I'm, I'm definitely coming and he's just like all right great well I'm your new daddy now you know come here you're part of my mom <laughs> I knew right then I was like all right this has to be a good decision so so that I know Artie and I we, we like to ask this question so one of the questions we have is do, do you so I'm guessing you still you still talk to a lot of the guys that you played with and that, that you, that you got to hang out with. Um, do you still talk, are you still in contact with Ruff or even Lincoln? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I talked to Lincoln before this upcoming season. Um, had to tell him I was happy where I was at. Uh, I talked to Ruff every once in a while. I uh, talked to plenty of those guys that I played with. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of the thing where we would get recruits later on for their visits and we would tell them, man, I mean, I know you're going to go to school and they're going to talk about family and brotherhood. Great. I mean, you know, I don't even one spot, but I knew from talking to other guys that I knew in high school that were playing somewhere else. It it wasn't the same. It wasn't full on brotherhood. And that's what we had. It was such a close bond to where it didn't matter if, if you were a senior and you never talked to the scout team, dude, if you ever saw each other out, I mean, it was, you always had each other back. There was no like sift. I mean, you have a group of 120 plus kids. Not everyone's going to see the same thing the right way, right? Like, there's going to be different attitudes and different views, but there was just never any division in that locker room. There was never anything that that put one guy against another. And, and you just truly saw it, man. Everyone hung out together. Everyone would go out together. I mean, 
even if guys didn't want to go out and partake in different things, they still came out, they still hung out. And, uh, you know, I just, it just grew our team so much closer over the, the five years I was there. Yeah. you know, and looking back at your ECU career, I mean, at its peak, you guys were ranked pretty high in the top 25 polls. So like, what were some of your fondest memories of that team and, and some of the things that you built uh, in the years that you were at ECU? Um, man, it's, and I get that a lot. It's like, what's your like favorite fine? You know, it's, it's so tough. I mean, yeah. that year when we got ranked, uh, <clears throat> you know, probably, I mean, obviously the North Carolina game when, you know, they're just saying all this stuff about, you know, little brother, make sure they, you know, put him right back. <laughs> safety saying all that stuff he was saying. It's like, we didn't say anything the whole week. It was just like, yeah, we're just, we're ready to play. It is what it is, you know, and, and Pat Dye was there. We talked to us for the game and freaking sky turns purple and, put up 70 on them and you know you know all the starters aren't even in when you know when we're going for the 70 points we're all hanging on the sideline listening and, and just kind of almost laughing at the whole situation these yeah. guys really talked all of that before this week and this is where the game turned into like just just don't talk just just mm -hmm. go play the game and I remember one of my buddies uh, came to me like, like I think Monday I was like hey I just want to thank you uh, for that game again I'm like what do you mean he said well I went to class they played the post-game interview with that safety, and, like, our, our guys were asking him, hey, so before the game, you know, you, you said how much, you know, UNC's above ECU, and we need to put back in place. Like, you still feel that way? And he's just, like, straight face. So the teacher plays that interview and then just turns it off. He goes, all right, that's class. Have a great day. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm, I'm, we're, you know, now we're breaking into classroom time, which is awesome. <laughs> I mean, obviously that game, they went at Virginia Tech. I mean, I think the win at Virginia Tech spoke of how resilient we were. I mean, oh, yeah. Going down there two two days before, staying in the hotel, getting up like we did, and then losing the lead, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of teams against a team who, you know, probably, you know, height ranked higher, athletes, whatever you want to say, bigger conference, losing the lead, <clears throat> and then going down there and scoring. I mean, yeah, I think that just spoke on what the team was. And, you know, after that, going to play SMU, a team that just, again, had told me, hey, you can come walk on, but, you know, we're not quite, you know, we got someone else. Mm -hmm. them come to our school and do what we did to them. And, you know, and you look back at that season and there's, you know, the comeback at Cincinnati. If that 47-yard field goal isn't made, you know, different story there. And then uh, UCF, I mean, we're, we're 30 seconds away from that season being very different. And, you yeah. know, that, I always talk about that and that's life. Yeah. Just like, you know, you can never take it back. And that's the good and bad of football. It just, it is what it is. And, you know, it, it hurts to talk about, it hurts to think about every time. I don't think it'll ever be easier. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's why football is the greatest sport, man. It is life. You, you don't always get your way. I, I was actually just thinking about that UCF game. Yeah. And I, I wasn't going to bring it up. But since you brought it up, I, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to see, okay, what was, what was the conversation like? So in the huddle, going through the play calls, yeah. What what was that conversation like when we I mean there's there's an opportunity for us to kill the clock. What what was that what was that conversation like? That's I don't I don't know if you've ever been asked that question, but I, I want to know um I, I was one of the few that like had stayed cuz we had just come back. And I was there jump I I went from hugging a a security guard in the boneyard to like sitting there with my hat in my hands and over my face. I, I was I was one of the ones that, that had left early because I was just disgusted. <laughs> yeah, um, I have been asked that question quite a bit, by the way. Um, 
But, I mean, it's just, you know, you go and do it. You, I mean, as a player, you can't – there's a formula. As a coach now, I have a formula of, hey, here's much time, timeouts. Here's when we can take a near. Here's what we can't. Um, but as a player, you're like, all right, what do we got? Kneel it twice, kneel it twice, and we run it. And then there was the fourth down call where I was like, hey, you know, try to get out a bit, burn some time, and then just throw it up back end zone. And so I was rolling out – or not rolling out, just trying to create some time. I felt some kind of some pressure in, and I was like, just didn't even want to try to get the ball off thinking, you know, during the play, you know, if I cock back to throw this thing and get hit fumbles out, you know? So, I mean, yeah, obviously should have been handled totally different. You know, again, unfortunately you just, you don't get things back. You don't get redos. And so, yeah, it's going to suck for a while uh, for probably the rest of my life thinking about that game. And the funniest part was I have, I have nephews in town the next day we're eating eating in town and of course you know that was the one game that was on that night so that's all over ESPN because it was such a you know crazy game and you know great game to watch if you were an ECU fan if you're kind of just a fan of college football it's you know it's oh a yeah great game. yeah so they're throwing it up there and my nephew's like hey there you are and it's just my face just like just so upset like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like thanks buddy yeah that's me <laughs> Now I wanted I wanted to get back to your to your you know after ECU but your your playing days with the CFL and the German Football League and the Arena Football League. Um, take me through that journey and how 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 did that help you develop and what did you learn from uh, your journey going to the CFL to AFL and the uh, and the GFL and also yeah, with the Bears as well. Uh, what's that? No, just and, and also with the Bears as well. I know you were signed with the with the Bears. Right. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean the Bears. You know, just getting to see you know, football at that level and understand that, you know, I mean, college, like I said, was just a family, family style team that, you know, you got there and it was just the exact opposite. You know, it is a business, but getting mm-hmm. to see that, that, you know, just level and, and those athletes and, and, you know, understanding, um, you know, that level of football, it was, it was fun that the time I got to be there. Yeah. Um, going to Germany was just kind of the exact opposite. It was like, you know, most of those guys are playing just because they want to. They don't – they're not getting paid or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for a couple of us Americans to go over there and play with them, I mean, halfway through the year, I was the offensive play uh, play caller. So, I'm playing quarterback, calling plays. And so, that's when I really got to start coaching for the first time, you know, coming right. up with my own game plan, um, you know, figuring, you know, I know what the quarterback can do because I am the quarterback as I'm calling plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was a blast, though. I mean – and, you know, never being outside the country, getting the opportunity to do that, you know, um, I would definitely recommend any player that gets the opportunity to do that to, to go to go do that. And, you know, they're so welcoming over there and so happy to have you part of the team. And um, it was a great time. And getting to see CFL and, and how high that level was as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there for only half a season, but a lot of good players up there. Um, in a great league it's I remember kind of having to understand the first like I've never watched a CFL game and I'm sitting on the sideline watching my first CFL game trying to understand the rules because there are a lot of little tiny rules that are different and you know you didn't even know that it was funny too because one of our first quarterbacks banged up so I'm third string and really like 2B at that point and on the train ride to the game it was like hey you need to like tell me like five plays you can run because you might be going in (laughs) and I've been here for a week brand new like football league but I was like heck yeah let's do it um so I got a couple of reps during that time um and then yeah so off season uh, was cut from them and then going to arena football kind of you know I, I think I had underestimated what arena was going to be mm-hmm. uh, going to CFL I felt like it was still kind of football just kind of different style 
Yeah. Going to arena, it just seemed like a whole new game. I mean, new defenses, the one guy in motion, um, the walls. I mean, it, yeah. it was a whole new game. It definitely took some time for adjusting, but, you know, as I got in there and started, was able to play, um, you know, it started, started to get, started to be very fun. Um, you know, and unfortunately how it ended, you know, it's not something I, I wanted to, to have to end my career just because my head was getting all banged up, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely probably the right call to call it after that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I mean, you, I mean, you were what rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year for the arena football league, like, or how, how was, how was that? Like, what, what did that mean to you? I mean, it definitely like after, you know, cut from NFL and then going obviously play Germany and that was kind of, you were given the spot and then CFL and then getting cut, just having that like reassurance that, you know, I still had, I could still play I and mean, gave me confidence for sure. And, um, cause I was able to have a lot of success and there wasn't many teams, there wasn't many rookies, but yeah. you know, at the same time, you know, I was able to do things that I was doing in college in a smaller atmosphere. I mean, scrambling in arena, you know, didn't happen a lot. And, and be able to make plays on the fly and things I was able to do in that league just kind of reassured that, you know, I still had it. And at the end of the day, it wasn't like I had to stop playing because there was nowhere for me to play. It was, it was, I'm stopping playing because it's my decision and uh, my call rather than, you know, not getting the opportunity to. Got you. Got you. Now, have you kept up at all with the current ECU football team? And if so, what have you noticed about the, the, the current players and the current coaching staff that kind of gives you hope for the future? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been watching, you know, everything pretty much Mike Houston says, you know, kind of getting where I was at, kind of, in, you know, in a similar situation um, mm -hmm. where we're just trying to build a culture, a new culture, and, and, and trying to get winning to be a part of that. And watching Mike Houston, what things he says, and he seems very just straightforward. Like, he's not telling media one thing, and then you hear something different in practice. Now, yeah. again, it's just I just see what the media says, but – you know, having a few coaches that are there that were there when I was was playing helps as well. You know, Donnie being there, you know, I can't speak more highly of Donnie Kirkpatrick and Trip Weaver. Mm -hmm. You know, Trip's a guy who, um, you know, really was close to me when I was there. He was our, kind of our scout team guy. Um, and I had a lot of conversations when, you know, second year being put on scout team again where I really wanted to be on, you know, the traveling team and roster as a third string quarterback and then, you know, losing the job my redshirt sophomore year, talking with him for a long time. I mean, he trips a guy, again, can't speak more highly of, and, and you know, someone that probably overlooked when we talk about my time and career at ECU. I mean, that, that guy helped me out, like, beyond beyond what I can speak for yeah. on my first few years there. So knowing those two guys are still there and getting to talk to uh, Trip quite a bit um, while he, since he's been there, everything I've seen from Mike Houston and, you know, Holt and the way he's carried himself. I mean, I just, you, got, you have to believe in it. You know, you have to believe that this thing's turning, this thing's changing um, in a positive way right now. Gotcha. Yeah, and you, you bring up you bring up Holt Nailers. And uh, as a former quarterback of ECU, I mean, the quarterback, no matter what team it is, is always – he's always kind of the guy. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you, you filled that role at ECU. You, you lived that role for – the better part of three and a half years. Now, what have you had any conversation with Holt, like talking with him about his time now, especially since it's a little bit different than when you were here as a junior? You know, I haven't personally talked to him. It's funny. We've had a lot of like, hey, he said this. Hey, tell him I say this kind of conversations mm -hmm. uh, between media crew that I still talk with and uh, different people. Kind of same thing with Mike Houston. I mean, hearing – 
some things he said about me to somebody. And then I say, Hey, make sure you tell him this from me. So it's kind of that secondhand conversation we've had with both, or I've had with both those guys. Um, but I mean, just thinking that, you know, where he was kind of leading off from, from last year and then going into now his, I believe junior year. And, um, you know, it's a big jump. I mean, I'm just thinking back to my career, getting that time to start a full season, getting an off season with all your guys and everyone knows you're the guy, you know, receivers tend to start, you know, gravitate, like gravitating towards you a little bit more in the off season. Like, Hey, Holton's going to go throw. I better go throw it. And that kind of deal. Like you just kind of start getting it and you're the quarterback for an entire off season rather than, Hey, you're the guy, you know, two weeks before or whatever it is. It's you just, there's a huge jump and obviously getting older, more mature, understanding the game, getting to play the same teams again, you know, what they did to me last year, that kind of deal. And then, you know, seeing that interview talking about it's night and day of, of his, uh, his progression this year. I mean, I mean, you can kind of just take that in and I expected to see that. And it's exciting. Now, again, this off season has been totally different. Like any yeah. other, you know, any players ever dealt with before. So mm-hmm. that's going to take in consideration. You got to look at even NFL offenses here and there kind of not being totally in sync. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, you just got to assume that this team's going to be, you know, another step forward uh, with Mike and, and Holton getting older and, you know, just another season underneath their belt. Yep. Yep. Now we start this season, unfortunately, with UCF tomorrow afternoon, very high powered offense. I think they're ranked 14th or 13th in the country. Do you have any quick predictions for that game tomorrow and what we could do to possibly pull an upset? Um, you know, when you're playing like, you know, a great team, it's ranked and all that. You just, the biggest thing is winning the turnover battle. I mean, if you mm-hmm. turn the ball over, it's done, but if you get a couple lucky break turnovers, you know, steal a drive or two from those guys, you know, then it starts turning, right? And all of a sudden it's first game and maybe they're a little sloppy here, there, and then they start getting worried and start pressing. Um, so you, you got to create a little havoc in their minds, on, you know, in their plays. And, you know, you get a couple lucky breaks. And like I said, you get a couple, you know, most special team plays, turnover here and there. All of a sudden that game starts turning and you're there in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you know, for an ECU team that, you know, hopefully is, is bringing back how much that fourth quarter means, you know, and, and at that point anything can go. Yeah, and with that, I'd like to I'd like to kind of talk to you a little bit about about after if you do pull off that upset, if you do win that win that game, we we like I said, we like to keep this podcast fun. We like to keep it moving. Um, with that, like you, I mean, you've been a guy that has won some big time games, whether it's on the road at Chapel Hill and then coming back, or on the road at. Virginia Tech at the on the road at NC State here in North or at ECU against Chapel Hill or against Virginia Tech what to you what what, what was your moments after the game like what was that feeling like and then what did you do that night so let's, <laughs> for instance for instance let's talk about uh let's talk let's talk a little bit about uh the 70-41 game that that game yeah uh well you know this one's different you know, and I, I always have my family in town. I mean, my parents went to every game. And then my senior year, I started having, you know, more extended family coming down. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it depended. I've had some of the best, you know, dinners after those. You know, just, I mean. Dinners. Just, you know, having <laughs> some great dinner. And then you get back to the house and all your buddies are already there. And there's already yeah. a bunch of your teammates there. And so by the time you even get home from that dinner, it's already, you know, piled up and. And I lived in a house that shared a backyard with the swim team. And so you had, you know, all that crew and their friends and our crew and our friends. And I mean, there was a time it was, I mean, I got to think there was probably a third of an acre in that backyard. It was shoulder to shoulder, you know, after those games. And, you know, I just, the, 
the ultimate college feel of just everyone's there. Everyone's, you know, talking about the game or just talking about, you know, how fun this is. And, you know, we all say 24 hour rule. And a lot of people said that when we lost, right? 24 hours, watch the film, get over it, you know, that kind of deal. But yep. that's on the flip side too now. <laughs> Four hours to celebrate that sucker. Okay. So, you know, Saturday night, you get to have a great time, usually go out, you know, and that's, and that's what I talk about. Like there was never like, Hey, we're just going out with this crew, like or this part of the team, like, everyone would come over, everyone would go out, you know, there was never like, well, you, you know, you're on scout team or you're younger. It was never, it never felt like that. Anyone was invited over. We all went together, all celebrated together. You know, next day was Sunday and they usually gave us off till that evening. So you got to recover from the game and, you know, from the night and having fun. And, um, and our coaches were good about that, man. They never, they never kind of held us back and they let us be, college kids because that's what we were and you know but at the same time right 24 hours up Sunday we were back to work and, and our guys were good about that of you know enjoying what we had to enjoy and got to enjoy and then Sunday night getting back to work and, and going on to the next one hell yeah and that that kind of I mean I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the guys that I mean as, as I mentioned I mean I, I'm I'm friends with Bryce Williams from high school so I know him from high school I, I want to get Maybe, maybe can you uh, can you tell us a story from uh, you and Bryce Williams? I know y'all are close. <laughs> um, let's see. Which one do I want out there? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Bryce, big country, man. Uh, big country. You know, country. I like it. Bryce, just anytime you're not the guy, you're just there's all there's you're never not gonna laugh, right? Whether it be mm. him making you laugh or you saying something, him just kind of extending that and just. Just, I mean, how good he was on the field and like and tough and intense he was. It was just like, you just, you couldn't, after that, it was done, you know? And mm. whether shotgun and beers or going out of town, <laughs> obviously, everyone knew Bryce, he had the long hair, he's tall as hell and getting to hang out with a guy. I mean, just, yeah, a lot of great memories of that dude and obviously a bunch of other guys that uh, were on that team. But I mean, there's just, again, there's not like one memory where I'm like, hey, this is, you know, the one time we did that thing. It was just, you know, every time getting with the guys after the games and just, you know, like I said, 20, enjoying the 24 hours. No, no, we've, we've done this before with other guests on the, on the show, but now that we have Shane Carden on the podcast, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what is Shane Carden's Mount Rushmore of ECU football? <laughs> oh man, I don't think there's enough, there's enough space. <laughs> out there, man. And you can put yourself on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you got to do like a Mount Rushmore for like for like a decade or time frame or something, you know, because mm -hmm. I think I'd be doing a disservice to the guys who played before us, you know, getting doing what they did. And, you know, obviously I, I can speak on the I mean, I threw the two receivers that are first and second, in the all time NCAA reception list. So yeah, it's hard not to put those guys on there. Um, you know, and then you got the call the quarterbacks that have been on there and there's gotta be like a Mount Rushmore for quarterbacks, like receivers, yeah, yeah. running backs. I mean, you know, Chris Johnson, I mean, Dwayne Harris, right when I got there, I mean, there's just, right, there's too many guys. And then, you know, I'll say, I'll leave someone off the list. I mean, I'm sure I haven't said this one now. And then someone on Boneyard Banner will start talking about how I didn't say something. <laughs> we, we don't pay attention to Boneyard Banner. <laughs> okay, I'll just make sure. The Boneyard Podcast, I was a little the, worried. That, yeah, no. The, the Boneyard <laughs> Banner and the Boneyard Podcast are, are not affiliated. Things, yeah. Okay, we, okay. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't pull any sources from the Boneyard <laughs> That. Okay. They, we, we leave them out in left field, all right? Um, so, yeah, that, that you, you brought up – I mean, you brought up Zay. You brought up Justin Hardy. I know we talked about, we talked about Bryce. What, what were those two guys like? I mean, 
I know Justin's still trying to stay in the league and try, trying to find a place. But, I mean, Zay now with Las Vegas, how, do you still talk to them? Do you, do you still hang out with them at all? You know, being where I'm at, it's hard to, hard to hang out with those guys. Obviously, they've been busy over the last, you know, four or five years. They've been in the NFL and doesn't give much time um, for getting up to Idaho. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, absolutely. I've talked with them, and, and they're, it's funny because they're just – they're two great receivers who just were totally different. And, you know, I got – I had a special relationship with, with Justin just because, you know, first year we're on the scout team and – I knew right then, I mean, he was making catches. I'm like, I, I don't even know how this guy isn't playing for us right now, let alone doesn't have a scholarship. I mean, that, I mean, that got fixed very soon. And then he went off to play his uh, redshirt freshman year. And then luckily I was able to get out and we were able to play together. When we had the same majors, we pretty much were ever class together, you know, and then, the, you know, as the story kept building and building, we got put in the, you know, with everything together. And man, he was just such a humble guy. And like, there'd be games in the first half where maybe he had one catch or something. And, Obviously, as a guy who caught as many balls as he did, you know, there'd probably be frustration. I'm sure he was, but mm. not once did I ever hear that from him. Not once did he come up to me and say, hey, I'm open or this or that. Or there'd be more conversations of, hey, what are they, what are they doing to you? Like, I would go ask him, hey, what's going on over there? Well, hey, they're bracketing me here, but I bet if, you know, we get that pop in here, like, works. And just a brilliant, like, football mind. The best hands I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we talk about some of the catches made on the game field. I mean, some of the stuff he didn't practice was just like you throw the ball or make, miss a throw and you make a catch and you're just like, oh my God. Like I didn't <laughs> even know that was like physically possible to catch him like that. Um, and then Zay Jones, man, just coming in, Texas guy. So we had that kind of relationship. Um, you know, a little better well-known because of his dad already being at ECU, but, you know, getting in there and getting opportunity as a true freshman and because, uh, you know, a guy went down or went out and uh, he stepped right up and like there was just no hesitation. There was never any like – oh, it's a freshman, I better be careful I throw the ball to him or this or that. I mean, he just jumped in, had confidence from the start, and uh, had those two guys. And then you talk about the plethora of receivers I had outside of those guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the yards I threw, but, I mean, between Cam Worthy, I mean, Reese, you know, I, you know, between those, Isaiah and Justin, and then, you know, Jimmy Williams. And, I mean, I could just go on with this list of receivers that all had different styles, all the good things. And we haven't even talked, you know, you said earlier, Bryce and – Justin Jones for a couple of years. I mean, there's just – there's so many guys I had the opportunity to throw to and, and the running backs I got to get. I mean, it's just – it was – you look back and it's hard it's hard to say that that offense, whatever offense we would have ran, air raid or not, I mean, would not have been successful. Yeah, that – I definitely get that. And that that kind of that, – that leads me almost into – I have one more question before we get to the hardest question of the podcast, all right? <laughs> okay. Um, so going back, looking at that game uh, against Chapel Hill that in 2013 in, in Chapel Hill, um, 50, I believe it was 55-31. I was there. I was in the my, – my wife went to Chapel Hill. We don't hold it against her. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I was actually in the student section for Chapel Hill there. I was wearing my, I was wearing my purple and gold. But when you, when you score that touchdown and, and you show off that tattoo – well, can you tell us a little bit about the tattoo? Can you tell us, like, when and how that came to be? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I got to ask you guys, who did you pick for that game? Who do you think was going to win that game? Oh, oh it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's you. Yeah, you. <laughs> right. you can see that now. Now, there was a lot of people around school and our school newspaper who didn't think that. Yeah. Didn't think that either. Yeah, that was, that was, I, I, that may, was I may be a homer, but <laughs> I, I, I know at least some – 
I know college football when I, when I see it. All right. I, I, know how to, I know how to call a college football game. <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, the tattoo. Um, you know, actually, Damon Magazine had a version of it or kind of the same niche deal. And, and I, you know, that logo, obviously, everyone loves. And I saw it as a tattoo. I was like, dang, I definitely got to get that thing. And I got to change it up, put the five in the eye patch. Um, and I got it during the summer. And the funniest comment I ever got about it, when I first got it, we are doing summer workout. And so Riley standing next to me, you know, at that point, you know, he just was kind of just kind of being hard with me all the time, you know, and he's <laughs> like, uh, so I saw your tattoo. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Are you thinking about staying next year? I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to stick around here a little bit. Mm. Um, just kind of giving me flack for it. But then, uh, you know, I'd shown it in the first game at, uh, at home, NC Central. Or no, not NC Central. We played that first game. Old Dominion? Uh, Old Dominion, yep. Showed it in that game. Um, you know, there was no picture. There was no camera right in front of me, so that was fine. So it made it so much better that the first time it really got photographed was at UNC um, yeah. in that game. Um, and the thought behind me, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, it's not like I had planned it. It's just kind of like it happened in Old Dominion. I, I, I did that. And then, uh, you know, right at UNC scored. And just I see this, like, sea of this, like, just ugly-looking blue. <laughs> I got to do something to these guys to kind of just, like, show them, hey, we're about to kick your ass. Um, so that kind of just, just flexed on them. And, and obviously, you know, it just so happened to be a camera crew or just, like, one single camera right there. I took a picture, and that thing just, you know, blew up from there. That's fantastic. I, I, I love to hear that. Um, yeah. So I, I know, I know you're a busy guy. We, we, we know you, you, uh, you got some stuff to do with, with, uh, with your, your coaching side. High school football Co team. I mean, you got to <laughs> coach a high school football team. I know you're not really having a season right now, but I wanted to ask you, we always ask one of our, we always ask our guests one question and this okay. is the hardest question. Okay. Okay. So say you're in, say you came to town this weekend and you were able to go to the ECU UCF game. ECU beats the shit out of UCF, and you get to you get to bring them. You get to bring some of the guys out with you. You get to go to Sup Dogs. I right? I mean I'm sure I'm sure you know what Sup Dogs is, right? What Sup Dogs is. We, when, I, when I was going, there was only one story. But. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with us. Yeah, same, same with us. We we, we graduated 2017, so we were there. We were there with you. We we okay. know all about. Right. Right. We know how hard it was back in the day, right? right. Um. So you go to Sup Dogs after a big win. What is your order at Sup Dogs? Hardest question. It's actually not too hard. It's the uh, it's the two chili dogs with the sauce. Okay. And then um, definitely uh, the tots with the special sauce over them. The cheese tots. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. And, uh, you know, the sauce over the tots. What's that? The sauce over the tots. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, okay. And then, um, you know, if we're talking after a game, definitely going to start with some beers. Maybe a shot in there, you know. Got to yep. celebrate a little bit. Um, so the drink. Shot of what? You know, I've, I've had a sup swirl every once in a while. It had to be like an afternoon kind of next day kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't. That's that's too much for the night of, you know. <laughs> yeah. You can't do one of those to start your night with chili dogs. I mean, and even chili dogs, that's that's questionable. It's a little rough on the stomach at, at yeah, that time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to you got to go out. You got to hit still life, hit some PBs and yeah. and whatnot. I mean, five night. I don't know five nineteen Raptors, whatever they call them now. Um, but then, then whatever the name of the bar is next door now, it's changed probably ten yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. The way I think it was the way when <laughs> the we way, left Rum Republic. <laughs> Rum Republic. Yeah, but right. uh, Shane, thank you again for for joining us. Uh, this is our 
game one preview. Mm-hmm. Um, we we thank you, but we've got to get you back on. Well, I know I know we've talked with some guys about getting multiple guys on at the same time, just shooting the shit. How's that sound? Reunion. Yeah, I I definitely be down for that. I'd, that'd be a blast. All right, sounds mm-hmm. good, Shane. Next time you're in town, we'll uh, we'll go get some chili dogs at, at Sub Dogs. All right. Sounds great, man. I'm trying to make it this year. We'll see what happens. All right, awesome. sounds Appreciate good, your time, Shane. All right, thank you. Once again, we wanted to thank uh, our second guest of the podcast, Artie, Shane Carden. Wow, what, what what a conversation that that was. Uh, that's one that we've been. I mean, we've been trying to get. We've been. Yeah, we, we've been trying to get Shane for the longest time now, and and it finally came into fruition. This is what happens when you stay the course. You stay the course. And you know you finally you trust the process. You get your dividends. You know, as my grandfather would say, get your dividends. And we we got that today. So so ECU will be hoping to uh, reap some of the dividends of uh, <laughs> of the Notre Dame football team losing seven of their, I believe, offensive linemen mm-hmm. to the coronavirus. Uh, ECU will be playing on ABC this weekend um, at noon against UCF. This is big time for ECU. Big time. I mean, ECU, looking at it, ECU hasn't had a game on ABC or really on national television since 2015. We've had a couple here and there on Thursday nights, but not on a Saturday. Think about it. You've got people coming straight from college game day that are going to want to watch this game because it's UCF mm-hmm. on on Saturday at noon. It's the first football game on TV. Artie, how big is this for ECU? Yeah, I mean, I I, – I, 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 Touched on this earlier and spoke about it earlier, but, you know, the level of competition we have to have tomorrow is going to be significant. You know, we have to come out and really show the entire nation and, and, and you know, not just our conference, but, you know, everyone across the country just how competitive we can be. Like I said, we don't need to win this game. I'd love for us to win this game, obviously. I'd love for us to be able to pull off the upset. But – just to go out and to be competitive against UCF on a national stage, on ABC, it's at noon. I don't know, are there any other big-time noon games tomorrow? Artie, you're do we, do put, we know that? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. You're putting and, me on the spot. And I here, apologize. You got, you got an ESPN app. Yeah, you, you keep talking while, while I look this um, up real quick. I'm not sure if we have any more big, notable, big-name games at noon tomorrow. You need to get but, your Wi-Fi up, man. My Wi-Fi is great. You talking about? I'm, but I, I will say that we have a tremendous. No matter what, we're on ABC, and so we yep. have a tremendous opportunity to show the entire nation ECU is on the come up. We're not back. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go full. Uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Tom Renaud? Not Tom Renaud. When when he said Texas is back, I'm not. I'm not gonna go that far and say we're back, but we are. We have an opportunity to show the nation that we are coming up and we are on the rise and we are not going anywhere for a very long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Sorry, the my phone, the app on my phone wouldn't work. See, it's your phone. It's not my Wi-Fi. Yeah, whatever. It's your phone. All right. So looking at noon, you've got a couple. You've got a couple big games at noon. What we got? Um, so you've got Kansas State at Oklahoma. On Fox at noon. That's a big Midwest draw. Yep. A lot of your Midwesterners are going to watch that you've, one. But you've got Florida playing Ole Miss at noon on ESPN. Uh, well, okay. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. So that's going to draw a lot of attention. Then yeah. you've got Kentucky at Auburn. Two ranked, mm. But those are two ranked teams right now at noon. And then you've got UCF-ECU at noon. 
You've got Louisville and Pittsburgh, both teams ranked at noon. You've got a matchup of uh, Southern Conference teams, uh, Georgia Georgia Southern and Louisiana at noon on ESPN2. And then you've got a bunch of nobodies playing, like Campbell at App State playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Georgia State, our, our next week opponent at Charlotte. So we've, we've, we've got some quality competition at noon tomorrow. Yeah. And so the goal is we have to have one of those premier games. Right. We have to have the kind of game where they, they, they do the break in. Hey, we're, we're going to break to this ECU-UCF game because it's really close heading to the fourth quarter, and you might want to tune and, into this one. And this, that's the kind of game look, we have to have. This is looking like it could be an upset. Yeah, that's that's the kind of game we have to have tomorrow. Yeah, because I, I – I, Hey, man, I agree with you. I, I think that that's what we're going to need. That's what we're going to have to have. Um, but, yeah – I, I mean, I, th- I think this is great for ECU. I think I think it's a great opportunity. Tremendous, yeah. For us, um, hopefully, we'll be able to take advantage of it and, and make do and, and really um, show show what ECU is on on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, ABC. The, I mean, outside of ESPN, ABC, I believe, is the biggest channel for. Well, a- ABC and ESPN are well, together, but, but I'm but. I'm saying like. Actual channel wise, yeah, right, right. Because ESPN then ABC, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times I don't even like to watch the game on ESPN because the game on ESPN a lot of times is honestly the game on ESPN usually isn't that good. Yeah, usually you have you know ABC. I mean, you got Kansas State playing CBS, Fox. I mean, those those usually have the big time afternoon games on Saturday. So, but we we talk about ABC and and moving the moving the game to ABC from ESPN Plus. Only because, yes, it's a great opportunity for ECU. But, guys, we talked about how having Shane Carden on took us a while to find him and get him. And uh, we, had to, we had to work our connections that we've made through the podcast. You know how, you know how we got Mike Gullick's, we, we just I just slid in the DMs, We just man. slid in the DMs, bro. Stop being afraid to slide in them DMs, fellas. Just, just do it, <laughs> just baby. Just do it. So we slid in, we slid into the Golix DMs, and uh, we we happily got a message back, and we we've known about this for a couple of days now, and, and we we finally got to sit down with Mike Golick, former host of Mike and Mike in the Morning, and Golick and Wingo. Uh, this is, I mean, this is somebody that I've I grew up watching. Pirate Nation can't see it right now, but I'm rubbing my hands like Birdman because I'm like I'm so excited. Like, this, <laughs> I'm just so excited. Like, e- even my wife, my wife who does. I was have a kid any- watching Mike and Mike, yeah. Jared. I was a I was a kid watching yeah. this man on ESPN for years, and he so, was on my computer. Yeah, right here in your right here in your kitchen. I interviewed this man in my kitchen. You cannot tell me. Shit. <laughs> like, you know how, you, you know what I'm going to do all, the rest of the day? I'm going to walk around with my chest puffed out because guess what? I talked to Mike Golick this morning. Did you talk to Mike Golick? I guarantee you didn't. I, I talked to Mike Golick. So we talked to Mike Golick. You get to listen to Mike Golick right now. This, this was a fun interview. This, this was, yeah. Like, this, this was absolutely a fun outside interview. It was of, not boring. It was not, you know, outside of it being Mike Golick, lethargic at all. This was honestly one of the funniest interviews. That we've had, yeah. The energy he brought. This is one that you're gonna want to like listen to, and you'll probably want to listen to it again. We hope you enjoy this interview. You're probably uh, you're probably getting ready for the ECU football game, so we, we hope you enjoy this. Here it is, our interview with Mike Golick. So our next guest on this week's uh, 
preview episode of the Boneyard podcast of the season. Uh, he's, he's a guy that, I mean, he really needs no introduction. Um, he, he's had a career as an NFL defensive linebacker. He's been a college football host and uh, analyst for over 25 years now. Uh, he's a former host of ESPN Radio's Mike and Mike in the Morning and Golick and Wingo. Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. New friend of the podcast, Mike Golick. How's it going? Good. How you guys doing? Very, very good. Doing very, very well. So, um, we, we, wow. This, I just wanted to say, first, first and foremost, this, I mean, I grew, I grew up listening to you, watching you uh, on TV, and, and this, this, is, this is a true honor. Um, but I, I wanted to um, kind of first and ask you, so ECU's been moved to ABC this week. Um, can you tell us kind of how that, how you found out about that? I know you were supposed to call your, your beloved Notre Dame fighting Irish this weekend. Well, I mean, listen, this is, this is what's going on in college football right now. We've had, I think now four postponements in the ACC, let alone, you know, some of the other conferences. So we, while the pro sports, especially the ones in the bubble have been running pretty smoothly. Yeah, baseball outside the bubble, which had a rough start, but has been running smoothly since. And the NFL running pretty smoothly right now. It's been college football, I think, where you kind of keep your fingers crossed uh, each week to see if your team is going to play because you could be doing everything right, but the other team tests positive and loses guys, and all of a sudden you have no game. And that's what happened this week. We were supposed to call Notre Dame at Wake Forest, Mm -hmm. and it was Notre Dame who had the positive test. And while it is the positive test, it's also the fact of the number of players you lose through contact tracing. You know, you could have one guy test positive, but 10 others have to miss more time because of contact tracing. So that's what happened to Notre Dame. And all of a sudden, you know, Wake Forest is like, we don't have a game now. So they're going to redo that game December 12th. And they immediately switched us over to UCF ECU. And so we were a little behind, but listen, again, it's, it's as you prepare for a game, you know, we're, we're not digging a ditch here. We're, yeah. I get to watch a lot of film and talk to coaches and players, so I enjoy it. And we've been able to do that. We'll continue to do it up to the game. So, But for this game, which was supposed to be an ESPN Plus game, now an ABC game, that's mm-hmm. great for both schools, you know, to, to have a, a bigger, wider audience. So I'm looking forward to it. And just, you know, real, real quick, what's your quick outlook on the game for this weekend between ECU and UCF? UCF is a huge favorite in this game, um, and they should be because they're a really good team. They're returning a lot of good starters. Um, but what's your quick outlook on, on how ECU might be able to pull off an upset in this game? Well, I mean, it, listen, w- you have to stop this, this up-tempo, high-flying, you know, UCF offense. I mean, they – of their, I think, 85 touchdown drives last year, I think 68 of them, right in that area – we're under three minutes. So mm. this is also a game. Don't get up and get your snacks during the game <laughs> because it's going to move. Uh, so it's going to be really incumbent on the, the uh, uh, ECU defense to be able to communicate well. Mm. You know, you saw Georgia Tech when they played uh, Central Florida last week. They struggled in that. At times, they didn't even have 11 guys on the field because of how fast uh, Central Florida moves. And you try and if you try and sub – while they're in that fast mode, sometimes you get caught short. Sometimes you get caught not being able to communicate. Sometimes you get caught having nine players playing one defense and two playing another defense. So first and foremost, the key for ECU is communication on defense and make sure everybody is playing the same defense. In all honesty, 
even if it's the wrong defense, as long as all 11 are playing the same defense, you have a chance. (laughs) So a lot of it is going to be communication and making sure you have the personnel you want on the field and you're communicating because they run plays so quickly. And then let's see what this offense can do. Like, you know, let's see what, what Ehlers can do. What, what I, what, what I like about him so much is think about what he's gone through. Big, strong kid gun for an arm. Mm -hmm. So, you have high school, your last year in high school, you have a, a system. Then, of course, you go to college, you change the system. That was his freshman year. Then his sophomore year, last year, he changed systems again. So in freshman high, uh, or senior in high school to freshman to sophomore, three years, three different offensive systems. So this year, he finally has a system he knows. So I would imagine we'd look for a, a big uptick in his play because of his knowledge of the offense, his knowledge at the line of scrimmage, his knowledge of reading defenses. Now it gets to be the same going into year two of this offense. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's a plus without question. Now on this podcast, you know, we're not just fans of ECU, but we're also fans of the American athletic conference. A lot of times we like to say the power six instead of the power five Um, like to get your opinion, uh, Mike on, on, how do you feel the American stacks up against other power five conferences? Cause we think top to bottom, they stack up well. Unfortunately, most people aren't going to think that the, mm-hmm. the, the perception is going to a lot of times follow the rule here. And if you're not a power five, the thought is, and, and we know central Florida found that out and others outside the power five ha- have felt that as well, that no matter what you do, you can go undefeated. You're not going to get in the playoffs. Right until they expand the playoffs. I've been a proponent of expanding the playoffs because I would like to see what a central Florida or any team outside the power five, if they have that great year, what they would do against the other teams. We see them play sometimes bigger teams in bowl games, but bowl games are a different, a different animal. Mm. A lot of times, some guys from the the power five teams aren't playing. A lot of times those guys don't take the bowl game as serious, not all the time, but sometimes. So it's tough to gauge off of that. I would love to see a non-Power 5 get a chance in the playoffs. But as long as there's just four teams in the playoffs, it's, it's just not going to happen. As much as we all want it to, it's not going to happen. So because there are conferences, like, the, in all honesty, the ACC, the Pac-12, that aren't deep. You know, mm-hmm. they are top-heavy. Down in the bottom of those conferences, they aren't very good teams. But the perception of Power 5 and then everyone else is going to stick. It's not fair, but unfortunately, it becomes the reality of the situation. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Mike, going kind of going back, you you talked a little bit about the different systems that that whole nailers has had to deal with um, since he's come into ECU. This is, I mean, his first time having the same system. But on the flip side, I mean, ECU has had over the last five years five defensive coordinators, and yep. each of them have been doing their own thing, doing something different. And now Coach Houston has brought in his guy. He's brought in Blake Harrell. Um, out of, he brought him in from Kennesaw State. Now, right. looking at that, looking at the high-powered offense, what do you think that ECU needs to do from a defensive standpoint to, to slow that offense down? Attack, attack, attack. You know, and that, that's one of the reasons that, that Blake Harrell was brought in. He had two other stops with Coach Houston. So he yeah. knew him. And, you know, we talked to Coach Houston. That was part of the hiring process that he knew what Blake was all about. He knew the type of defense that he wanted. Now, it's still going to take a recruiting class or so for Coach Houston to get in the type of players 
that he wants to fit the conference because it is an excellent conference. Make no mistake about it. It is. And a lot of times you have to recruit for that conference. What do you need? You need long guys. You need big guys. You want more physical guys, especially on that offensive line. So you have the players you're working with right now that fit into the system you're running, and then your recruiting will kind of follow that path. But right now, listen, you got to go play games. So it is difficult, again, for the guys on defense, especially the ones that have been there for a while. You had, what, two D coordinators in 17. One got one of them left after two mm -hmm. games, and then the other took over, new one in 18, new one in 19. And now you get a new one that shows up at the beginning of this year and doesn't really get to work with the players because of COVID and the quarantining. So your, your back's against the wall. It was kind of just like the NFL. Anybody who came in as a new head coach and brought in a new system, they got no OTAs together. You can be behind the eight ball a little bit. Well, the same for colleges that bring in new coaches and run new systems. And for ECU, it's on the defensive side of the ball. But one thing players love is when you let us attack. And that's what they're going to do. They're going attack and disrupt. That's what they want to do. Because that, that's, that's what the Central Florida defense does. They attack. They get you on the other side of the line. They know they may give up some big plays, but they know they'll make enough big plays in return. That's where ECU needs to get to. If you want to be an attacking defense, you have to understand sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you. You just have to eat the bear more than the bear eats you. You have to make your amount of plays knowing that you're going to give up some plays, but you have to be good enough to make up for it with big plays of your own. That's where ECU wants to go. They yeah. want to be that aggressive defense, making plays on the other side of the line, try and confuse the offense some. Uh, it's a chess match. You want to dictate. Offense wants to dictate to the defense and keep the defense on their heels. The defense wants to dictate to the offense by maybe taking one of the ways you, you either the pass or the run and force you into a certain situation. That can happen by play on the field or by score. That, that could dictate a whole lot. So that's what it turns into. You want to dictate. And the UCF offense wants to dictate to you by running a play every eight to 10 seconds at times. Mm -hmm. So you have to show you can handle that. You can communicate. You can be in the right position. You can stop them and try and take them out of their flow. That's what you're looking for. Got you. Got you. Now, speaking of the college football playoff this season, because everything's wacky. You know, we've got the Big Ten coming back. October 23rd, I believe, we've got uh, the Pac-12 coming back sometime in November. How do you think the playoff is going to play off in the end? Do you think you're going to see the, the normal Alabama, um, Ohio State, Clemson, even though they're doing like a conference-only schedule for the most part? Or do you think there might be an anomaly, somebody else, you know, the well, SEC? I, I, I think it's, – it's, listen, we know it's a weird year. So I think because everybody is basically playing a conference schedule – Mm -hmm. a lot of who's the best conference is going to come out of that. And everybody looks at the SEC as being the best, and everybody looks probably at the Pac-12 as being the worst. The one thing that says uh, the ACC is Clemson in it, and Notre Dame is in it this year. Yeah. Uh, after that, you know, now the U, Miami, is playing well out of the gate. We'll see if that keeps going uh, or not. What – Here's my biggest question, because the Pac-12 is now coming back. They're not mm -hmm. starting until November. Yeah. They're playing seven games. Yeah. So are they going to be allowed in the college football playoff voting? If you have a Pac-12 team that's 7-0, and and then you have other conferences that are, that are playing 10 plus 1, like the ACC is, or 9 plus 1, like the, or, or 10 games, just conference, like the SEC, would it be fair if there's a 7-0 and Pac-12? 12 team 
against a 10 and one ACC team. Right. I mean, how do you decide that? And then look at the big 10, the big 10 has nine games planned with no cushion. So if they have a postponement, like we saw in Notre Dame and wake this week and others have done as well, now they only have eight games because they can't make them up. Like Notre Dame and Wake Forest will make their game up December 12th. Big 10 has no wiggle room. So I think it's going to be a difficult year, a very, very difficult year to where do you start? And, and I got to believe you have to have some cutoff. And if they want to include all the power fives, that cutoff is going to be seven games mm. because that's what the Pac-12 is going to play. I think that's awful tough. But it's tough to also tough to criticize anything we're doing this year because it's such an exception to the rule this year. Yep. So looking at this year and and looking at the college football playoff, you you said that you would like to have, have, have an expanded, an expanded playoff system. Um, Looking forward to next year though, or in the years after that, how, how would you, what would you recommend for an expansion? Well, it's not going to happen unless they wanted to just do it like a this year thing, like uh, just like Notre Dame's in the ACC for this year alone. I doubt they will. And there's still years left on this contract at four games. So they're not going to expand it anytime soon. I would, I would probably go to six is probably where I would go. The most I would do is eight if that, but probably I would go to six um, if, if I could given one and two that first buy. Um, but, but if, if everything goes according to plan, that wouldn't happen for years uh, because of the system that they're in right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, this is more of a uh, personal question for me. Um, what has been more enjoyable for you as a professional? Um, your career as an NFL defensive lineman or your career as a sports broadcaster? Both were great. Um, but what to you has been more enjoyable? So nobody ever, nobody who's done what I, both, has ever woke up in the middle of the night on a dream and said, Oh my God, what a great segment that was. It's always <laughs> like, Oh my God, I, I, you know, what, look at that interception I just dreamt of getting or the sacking of the quarterback. Yeah. It's football, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'd rather be known as a football player than a, than a broadcaster, but I know there's a lot of people who grew up with me doing radio and TV and being behind the microphone that know me only as that. There was actually an intern that worked at ESPN one year, a few years ago, that had no idea I played football, only wow. knew me as a broadcaster. Wow. So A, that made me feel bad. B, that made <laughs> me feel old. Um, but I, I listen, I've loved both careers. I never thought this broadcasting career would go the way it did. Mm. But uh, I, I would, would definitely rather be remembered as a, a football player rather than a broadcaster <laughs> if I had to choose one. Got you. Now, professionally, What's, what's left for Mike Gulley? Because you, you've done two careers now that most people dream of doing. One playing football, one being a, a sports broadcaster. So professionally, what would you say, what is left for Mike Gulley? Well, I mean, uh, I'm still I'm under contract with ESPN through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'll be calling college games. Remember, that's something I first did. Well, you may not remember. You guys are so young. <laughs> when, I re- when I retired in 94 and started working with ESPN in 95, the first thing I did for them was call college games for ESPN and ABC. And I did that for 10 years before I just did uh, more radio and, uh, and, and studio NFL shows. So I, I love calling college games. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the new year hits, we'll see where I end up. I, I would like to continue to call games, college or pro, it doesn't matter to me, but I, 
I really love the college experience. Mm. As far as doing another show, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in the position to, I guess, decide if I want to do that or not. I enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, for 22 years, six to 10 in the morning, getting up at 4.30 every day, you know, you do it because it's your job to do. Right. Now getting a little bit of, I'll get a few months of not doing that anymore. It would be weird to say, okay, I'm going to go back and do that again. Now mm. it doesn't mean I have to do morning uh, radio. It could be other day parts. So I still have some time to figure out. I'm too young to retire. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I'm not going to retire. My wife doesn't want to see me that much just yet. She'd still rather me be out the house. Um, so I will still be doing something mm -hmm. in this medium. Uh, and, and, and I hope part of it will be calling, uh, calling college games. Gotcha. Well, no matter, no matter what happens at the end of the year, when, when that contract does expire, just know that there is an offer on the table for you to come on, join the Boneyard podcast <laughs> and, and be, be our intern. Okay. We're 100%. looking for an intern. I'm telling you, this is a new world for me of uh, the whole podcast. Like we do a family yeah. podcast. My wife really got it going. It's called the Golic Family Podcast. And it's called Sorry in Advance because we're just <laughs> a bunch of knuckleheads. It's me and my wife <laughs> and my three kids, the sp uh, spouse of my one son and the fiance of the other who used to be a tight end for the Chicago Bears. Mm. And we just talk about life and, and it, it turns into a train wreck. But I guess that's what podcasts can be. So I'm learning that doing some of those on my own. I was talking to the people at Twitch, you know, realizing what Twitch is, you know, and then people are talking about YouTube channels and man, your generation, hell. I mean, when, when yeah. I was, you know, got going in this, it was turn the microphone on, you do radio, you do TV and that was it. You know, when we wanted to talk with our, with our viewers or listeners, they faxed to us. You guys probably don't even have never worked a fax machine in your life. That's how we got Maybe twice. feedback I from, that. Our, <laughs> from our listeners was by a fax machine. You mm. know, I mean, it, it wasn't until, you know, the 2000s when we got going where all of a sudden it's the internet and then Twitter and everything and, and that I'd become involved in. And I still, when it gets too technical, I just hand my phone to my wife or one of my kids and said, figure this out because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up a good point. You bring up social media and, and how how things have changed over the last 20 years can you can you talk to me about like how the change in social media how how it's really had an impact on sports from a broadcaster's perspective and from maybe a uh, former athlete's perspective well it can be good and bad and you can use it how you want the athlete mm. of today most of love using twitter i used to yeah. be that guy and i've had to evolve and change from this that would be like Man, what happens with my team stays with my team, mm -hmm. you know. But a lot of a lot of these guys will tweet out things, and at first that kind of turned me off. But then I realized, listen, this is this generation of player of athlete. They love to be on social media and they love to share on social media. So hey, cool, have a ball, go for it. But we know there can be good and bad. The one good about it is you can get like when I first started this, you waited until ratings came out until you figure out what to do. And you still kind of do that, yep. but, or for podcasts, subscribers, rates, reviews, as I'm finding out and all that, yep. but with social media, you can get immediate feedback. Like if we're doing a show and not to say that you have to live and die with what X amount of people say, but you can kind of tell when you're on a topic and you're getting a ton of feedback, like, you know, for, for Mike and Mike and Golik and Wingo, we have, you know, over a million and a half followers. So it's a lot, it's a lot of people. We had a pretty big audience, radio and TV. So 
we would get instant feedback on things if it was a real hot topic. So it kind of lets you know, okay, we're on to something. We can stay on to something mm. instead of back in the day, you just, you didn't know, yeah. you know, you really didn't know how it was being received. The other side of it, the bad side, we all see the bad side of Twitter, the, the fighting that goes on and the, you know, the cancel society and that where if somebody doesn't like something and they get enough people to start that brush fire, you know, so some people are afraid to put things on Twitter because they don't want to get the backlash. It can be, it can be a bad, bad place as well. It can be good. It can be bad. It's just all what you take from it and how you want to use it. Yeah. And that, that that's a, that's a great point, but I want, I want to kind of bring it back to, to this weekend. So will you be in Greenville calling the game? No. I mean, that's the one tough part because I, I love getting the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I would always go out to the tailgates before the game, you know, and kind of get the atmosphere and get some food from people because I like to eat uh, and just get the feel of it. I love the college atmosphere, but we don't have that. So I am in, in Bristol, Connecticut. I'm at ESPN in a studio. Dave Pash, who is the play-by-play, he lives in Arizona. He doesn't, they have a whole setup for him at his house in Arizona. Wow. And then the play, the sideline for this game is Paul Carcaterra. He will be in Greenville. He'll be at the site, at the stadium. So we have three people on the call, all in three different spots. So it can be difficult. We have a bunch of monitors and we have a Zoom where we can see each other in different angles of the cameras on different monitors. But there's nothing like being there, seeing it live looking at things on the sideline, you know, picking up little things here and there that I just can't do because I'm basically tethered to whatever the camera angle is that we get to see on TV. So it's not the best thing in the world, but you know what? I'm not going to complain about it because it is what it is. You know, everybody's dealing with the same thing right now. You just make the best of it. At the end of the day, we have college football going on and I get to be part of it. So I'm happy. Yeah, we are too. And, uh, we're we're excited that you're calling our game. Um, Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you one last question um, before we start wrapping it up. Um, if if you had a prediction, not scores or anything, but for a, a storyline of this game, what what would what would you be looking for? Without question, to me is because again of another new defense, but this at least one your head coach is familiar with with uh, with Blake Harrell. How quickly the guys on defense can digest it and use it in practical application on the field, because what a test right out of the gate. I love the thought process of everything they want to do of being aggressive, playing aggressive, but you're opening up a new defense with a lot of first time players on defense against an offense that is like a machine and a fast machine. It's like a machine that you flip the switch and it goes to, to warp speed. Yep. And that to me is going to be the key. You, you either have to have an offense that can outscore Central Florida or your defense has to be able to get off the field and get, give your offense the ball. So to me, I look at the defensive side of the ball because it is going to be new this year, but I love the style they're going to play. But how well can you implement it in game number one against an offense that is, that is a, a a highly efficient offense at a fast speed. So to me, that that's kind of where I look. And that that's what we're hoping happens tomorrow. On just hoping to compete. Or, yeah, <laughs> just hoping and, to compete. And that, that's something that I mean, Mike Houston said earlier in the week in one of his press conferences. He he said we've got to stay in the fight. Mm-hmm. We've got to stay in this fight throughout 
throughout this game. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Pirates can do that. Well, and here's the interesting thing, because last week I did Southern Miss against Louisiana Tech. Skip Holtz mm-hmm. coaches La Tech. And it was their first game. They had postponements. They, they had when, when Hurricane Laura came, uh, came in, they had previous to that had one positive test. Hurricane Laura knocked out all the power, so a lot of the players had to be together or go back to the, live with their families or all be together so there was no social distancing. And because of that, there were like 38 positive tests, which not only postponed their game earlier, but now they couldn't get together and practice with the numbers they wanted to. Skip Holtz literally had no idea what to expect out of his team when they went into that game. And they won it on a last-second touchdown against Southern Miss. So I'm sure Coach Houston, as much as they were able to get together, uh, though they had two pauses, one in July and one in August, there's still some uncertainty of we're not sure what we're going to get. Okay, we have the same offenses last year, but we have a new defense, and we're going against a really good team in Central Florida. So I'm sure there's some trepidation of we believe we're ready with all that we were able to do. We did the most with that time but we still haven't had any, I keep using this term, practical application to see how it's going to go on the field. Got you, got you. Now, I do have one more fun question for you um, because you are a Notre Dame guy, and I was reading that all three of your children went to Notre Dame, and Jared is somebody who says that his kids have to go to ECU. They have no choice. Was Did did your kids have a choice? That's not true. Was it Notre Dame or bust? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, go I'm, ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, let me let me just clear the air. Yeah. I I just said my kids cannot go to NC State. So mine is <laughs> similar. Um, we we certainly had a lot of Notre Dame stuff around the house, mm-hmm. maybe subliminally trying to you know keep that in their head. But when Mike started to get recruited and Jake was a year behind, Mike was an old lineman. Jake was a tight end. We were on a junior visit. Uh, Mike was a junior. And he went to visit Florida when um, Urban Meyer was coaching at Florida. So Mike had a visit there. And Jake came as well because Jake was going to start going through the recruiting process as well. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew my association with Notre Dame. So basically all the colleges for Mike and Jake were like, hey, should we recruit them or are they going to Notre Dame? And I was like, hey, recruit them. You know, this is not, you know, go where I went or where your mother went or your uncles went or Mm -hmm. anything like that. If, if one of my kids' goal or dream was to go play, play at, say, Nebraska, and they got to play there, I would be happy because yeah. they achieved their dream and their goal. Mm. So when I told them, we were actually on that trip to Florida, I said, guys, take these trips. Decide on your own. Where are you most comfortable? Where do you want to go? I did throw in, except USC. You can't go to USC. <laughs> Not allowed if you're a you know, Notre Dame family. But they wanted Notre Dame. That was, that was their goal. They wanted Notre Dame, and they were up front with the college coaches uh, who were recruiting them. And as soon as they were offered by Notre Dame, they took it, and they told the other coaches so they didn't have to, you know, spend time recruiting them. That's what they wanted to do. Same with my daughter, who was a, who was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. That's where she wanted to go. And they knew the sacrifices that they needed to make, the work they needed to do, and, and they all got there on their own, you know, from, from their talent level to be able to get to Notre Dame on, 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 you know, scholarship there to play. So Mm. that was their dream. So I was very happy, but yeah, much like you in North Carolina state, it was me and USC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But Mike, I I wanted to thank you again for, for joining us on on the Boneyard podcast. We usually ask our, all of our guests a question about 
there, there's a, an establishment here in Greenville called mm-hmm. Sup Dogs. I don't know if you've heard of it. it have not. It's, it's a nice restaurant. They have the best hot dogs, best hamburgers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, some fun, some good uh, adult beverages also. Um, Works. So hopefully, I know you won't be in Greenville this weekend, but hopefully in the coming years, in the next year or so, we'll get you to come back down to Greenville and, and call a game, and maybe maybe we can meet and, uh, and go over to Sup Dogs and we'll try it out. Rounds on us. I am always a guy, whenever, when I go on the road and call games, I always try and go to that local place, mm-hmm. you know, that, that or the couple places usually that they're known for, and I'll pick one to go to. So that works for me. I like hamburger or cheeseburgers. I like hot dogs and I like beer. So I would imagine they have all three at this place. They do. So then, then that's a place for me. Yep. Voted. I'm actually wearing the shirt. Voted a best bar, best bar, best college bar in America. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Two years running. Two years running. Two years in a row. So works for me. We'll we'll, (laughs) we'll make it happen, Mike. uh, Thank you again for joining the Boneyard Podcast. You're now a friend of the friend of the podcast. uh, Now and always. Um, Thank you again. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Yep, thank you, no problem. Problem. All right. Once again, we wanted to thank our guest, Mike Golick, the legendary Mike Golick. Mike and Mike in the mornings, uh, Golick and Wingo. I mean, I've been watching this guy on TV for the last – 25 years. I'm 25 years old. I've been watching him all my life on TV. He, he, literally, his his first year on TV was the year we were. I was born. You were born a little earlier. Artie. That interview was awesome, man. That was awesome. Just to have, like... Mike Golick was looking at us. We are recording this in my kitchen right now, which I have a nice apartment, so it's not like a, you know, beat up old kitchen, but it's like I had Mike Golick looking at me while I was sitting in my kitchen. Like, that's just... Yeah, and when, when he came on, the first thing he said, like, I mean, our, I usually, I mean, we usually don't wear, like, purple and gold on when we record. We don't... I, yeah, I had to make sure I had the purple on today. Like... I had to make sure I had it on today. We, we usually don't do that, but on Fridays, we paint it purple. Thanks, Jeff Charles. Um, yeah, so today, we were all decked out in our purple and gold, and first thing he said was, Wow. The purple and gold. Wow, like a lot of purple, and we didn't we didn't record that part. We we keep we don't record until after we tell our guests we're gonna start to record. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that was how that's how the first thing he said out of his mouth was, "Wow, the purple." Yeah, that a was a lot of purple. That was awesome, Mike Golick, friend of the podcast. Man, the the sound of that, Mike Golick, friend of the podcast. Yeah, that that's that's great. I mean, he's had a great career. He's been. I, I mean, like I said earlier, when I told Savannah who we had on the podcast, mm-hmm. even she was like, I know who that is. <laughs> and my wife doesn't watch any sports. Savannah's <laughs> my wife, and she doesn't watch any sports. And she knows who Mike Golick is. So, I mean, she basically said, like, she was like, man, my, my husband's almost famous. Uh, we're, we're getting there, Artie. We're getting there. We're, we're rubbing elbows with the right people. We're not there yet, but we are. We are we the are rising stars, but I think that solidifies us as the premier podcast. Oh, that's that's, that's been said and done. Yeah, but Artie, um, we we we've got a couple of uh, segments left. We now, we had a fun conversation. Now it's time to really kind of get into some of the some yeah, of the go business. Ahead and, go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, 
first order of business or last first order of business on the last order of business. <laughs> uh, you've got you've got we've got the walk the plank. We got to do walk the plank this week. Uh, you and I had a lengthy text conversation about who I, who I was considering to do walk the plank. I'm not doing it. We won't talk about it. We we've got the same walk the plank. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and. Oh, we we do have yeah, the same. Yeah. God bless. All right. There's no there's no there's no other team person thing that I was gonna pick over <laughs> over this. Take the floor, Jared. Guys, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. I like Atlanta sports. Boo! Dirty birds. Much much to my chagrin, um, I I've pulled for Atlanta sports. All my life. Braves, Falcons, yeah. I don't really care about the Hawks. I don't watch NBA. We already and I had a text conversation about that. Yeah, rolls eyes. Um, but, yeah. My Falcons. God, this is so hard. My Falcons shit the bed. They did more than that. Oh, my god! They diarrheaed themselves. How, how do you... How do you lose a game where your quarterback throws for over 400 yards, no interceptions, and four touchdowns? How do you lose a game like that? Weren't you guys up by 20 in like the second half? We were. Yeah. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, oh I'm poking gosh. that knife in there, Rhea, and I'm like digging into your side. My Falcons. So my, my problem, my walk the plank. And I guess Artie's walked the plane since we're going to have the same Absolutely. One, is the Falcons. My Atlanta Falcons. And, and not only did they lose, they lost to them stinking-ass Dallas Cowboys. Come on. The only, the only thing I'll say is, the, the one thing that I want to say, <laughs> Arthur Blank needs to start figuring out how to run this team and manage his, his personnel. He needs to fire... Dan Quinn shouldn't have been able to get back on the plane. Honore walked the plank by himself as Dan Quinn. And then... This dead man should be gone. <laughs> How do you not jump on... Tr- just try to jump on that onside kick. You let it go These the are 10 things yards. that you should be taught in Pop Warner football at the age you, of seven. You let it go the 10 yards, and you just stand there and watch it. As a Dallas Cowboy jumps on, I don't even know who jumped on it. I don't care. <laughs> I turned it off as soon as I saw them standing there. I was like, "This is not good." I turned that shit off just to turn it back on and watch Dallas kick a game-winning field goal to beat my Falcons. So, Falcons, y'all. Oh, and and y'all cut my boy Justin Hardy. Not friend of the podcast yet. We we like him. Yeah, that's not cool. Y'all cut him. He had some words to say. If go back, go back and look at his uh, his Twitter thoughts. The, the, those were some those were some uh, interesting takes. Um, <laughs> go back and go back and look at Justin Hardy. But uh, yeah, Falcons walk the damn plank. I'm proud of you. That 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 took a lot of you. That took a lot out of you. As, as I said earlier, like I when I said it in the Shane Carden interview, I mean I am a homer. I, I like <laughs> my teams. I'm. I'm not going to deny that. But I'll also tell you that the Falcons screwed up. They messed up. And, gosh, I I hate being a Falcons fan sometimes. Well, let's get off of that sad topic. And let's reverse it back to the game tomorrow. Jared Chaffett, what is your predictions 
Well, first, for the game. We, we have we have one last thing we, we got to talk about. We, we, what is this? We, we told the people we were going to bring them some betting lines. and we we're gonna Oh, okay, add, the betting lines. We, we told them we were going to have a betting segment on the podcast now. Um, so these lines were pulled last night. So if anything's changed today, I'm sorry. But as of last night around 7 o'clock, we're not using scientific times. Around 7 o'clock, that's, I know that's when I looked at them. This is when, when this, they were pulled on Thursday. So the first game we're going to talk about Troy at BYU. Um, Troy is, or BYU is a fourteen point favorite, and the over under is sixty one. Artie, who are you taking in that game? BYU. Uh, are, are they covering? BYU thirty eight, Troy fourteen. The game's not going to be close. Okay, so the, take the under, and uh, take BYU to cover cover the spread. BYU's covering the spread. Here's an intriguing game that I thought. Tulane is a three and a half point favorite at on the road at Southern Mississippi. Uh, the over under is forty five and a half. Does Tulane cover? No, take the under on that. Take the under on the fifty four and a half. Mm-hmm. And Tulane does Tulane cover? Do they do they beat the the Golden Eagles or whatever? The hell I think they Tulane are? covers, but I'm not taking I'm not taking the over on. You said forty five and a half. Fifty four and a half. No, I'm not taking over on that. Okay. Then West Virginia, I'm I'm gonna take this one already. West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a seven point favorite against West Virginia. I think they cover the spread, but the over under is fifty one and a half. If that game is anything like the game that I saw last week with Oklahoma State, it's the Big Twelve. It's gonna be a Tulsa, high game. But we thought the same thing with Tulsa, Oklahoma State. You you don't think to take the under on fifty one and a half after between watching, West Virginia and Oklahoma State? Who does West Virginia have right now? I don't know, but I know I do know that Big Twelve does not like to play defense. Okay, so Artie's saying take the over. I'm saying take the under. Make make your make your choice. All right, and then and then you've got number thirteen UCF on the road at East Carolina University. The the Knights of Orlando of Central <laughs> Florida come into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. And take on the Pirates of Greenville of East Carolina. The the line right now, last time I saw, ECU was a 27-point dog. 27-point dog. They think we're going to lose by 27? They think we're going to lose by 27. Okay. Over-under for the game? As said, it, this was the highest over-under I saw. Over-under, 77 points. Mm. I'm taking the over on that. I'm taking the over, too. It's going to be a high-scoring game. And... I'm taking the over. And hammer this, ECU covers. Because right now I've got it at 79, my final score. ECU covers. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm not saying ECU will outright win, but I think ECU covers, especially if you hit that over. If you hit that over, ECU covers. Okay? Capiche. Artie. Yeah. Final thoughts on the UCF-ECU game. Final thoughts, my game predictions. Um, I've got two. I'm, I'm going to do my brain. I'm going to do my heart. Okay. My brain says UCF 48, ECU 31. My heart says a nail biter down, grind it out to the finish, ECU 45, UCF 42. Wow. Jake Verity. I hope Jake you're not, Verity. I hope you're not listening to the podcast. the game winner for East Carolina University in game one against UCF. 
Jake Verity, I hope you're not listening to the podcast. That's my heart pick, not my brain pick. We got we got to give a trigger warning, man. <laughs> okay, um, mine. I'll give I'll give a heart pick and a brain pick. Um, my brain pick. I gotta go. Yeah, UCF probably scoring. Probably scoring damn near 52, 50, in that range, 52, 54. I, I'm not really sure on what that is with, with football, like touchdowns and, and safeties and whatnot, field goals. But 52 to 37, I feel like, is a, is a good football score um, that I could see. So about that same. You and I are setting it at about a 15-point spread. Yeah. Um, that's my brain pick. And then my heart pick, much like Artie, I, I think if with my heart, ECU could win this game, mm-hmm. but I will say that with my heart, ECU wins, ECU wins 49. It's not as close as yours. 49 to... 36. Wow. If ECU's going to win this game, they're going to win it big. Wow. You're saying we won by two touchdowns. Uh, with, with my 10, heart. 40 shorty. With, with my heart, that that's that's what I that's what I think. With my yeah. heart. Um we both take say take the over. Um I think if you take the over, I think you're you're going to be happy. I I think if you're going to bet bet responsibly, uh, we we're not sponsored by anybody, but bet responsibly, but also, when you're doing that, the responsible bet, I think, is the bet of ECU covering the spread. Uh, I, I just think you do it. It's supposed to rain, I think, in, in Greenville on Saturday, so that, that might play a factor. It might be harder for, for UCF to throw the ball downfield, that, that high-powered offense that they like to run. Mm-hmm. It might slow them down a little bit, and that, that might help us out, but that also might help uh, – that might go against us on uh, covering the over-under. So, Artie – um, that's all we've got, man. We <laughs> right now we're at like two hours and nineteen and a half minutes. We've said everything we can say. We hope you have thoroughly enjoyed this episode that we have put together for you guys. Um, wow. wow. <laughs> so what what I'll say last last thing we are gonna do a post game show. We're gonna do a post game podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it won't go in line with our episodes. It, it'll be just. So a quick rundown of the It'll game. It'll be a quick rundown bonus episode. But be on the lookout. We're going to be looking. We're going to be sending out a uh, a link where you can send in your thoughts and your your questions on the game. And we will answer them after the game. And, and be on the lookout for that to come out Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, at, after ECU plays UCF on ABC at noon. Artie, um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Go Pirates. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. We love you. Stay healthy. Stay se- stay safe, Pirate Nation. And uh, I guess we'll see you tomorrow after the game. Let's go get this dub. Let's get it. Be safe, Pirate Nation.